Hello and welcome to the Play the Game podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. We have an amazing show for you guys today and happy new year to everybody out there. It's 2021. Let's go ahead and make the uh, best year we possibly can out of it and have fun, play some paintball and enjoy a lot of great paintball content like we have for you guys today. We have Joe Barrett from San Diego Aftermath, formerly on Sacramento DMG, joining us today. He's breaking all that news. A super cool guy with a big heart for the game and is doing a lot in the paintball scene, so we're excited to pick his brain. Um, and thank you, everybody out there, for tuning in. We appreciate you immensely, and we love you with all our heart. Thank you for all the support. We hear you guys in the comments on YouTube and our Instagram and everywhere in between. So thank you so much for all that. This show is brought to you by Heel Brand. It is a CBD powerhouse, the greatest CBD ever greatest guys ever and a phenomenal company and they're bringing you the highest quality CBD imaginable. Um, They have a type of CBD called nano CBD which is uh, water soluble and it absorbs into your body with tremendous rate as opposed to normal CBD. Um, This nano CBD is raw hemp oil that is put through an additional refinement process to break up the large CBD particles into microscopic greatness that can more easily pass through your cell walls. So normal CBD takes a little bit longer, uh, hours, days even before you feel the effects, whereas nano CBD kicks in immediately. And you don't need to use as much of the nano CBD as normal CBD, which is really cool. Um, And it provides a complete absorption into your endocannabinoid system. And a little bit of this stuff goes a long way. They have amazing products like uh, nano amp energy shots for the morning time, a nano knockout sleep aid for nighttime, which is amazing. I know Marcelo highly recommends it and I do as well. It really works great and gives you quality sleep, which we all need more than ever right now. Um, They have CBD for your pets and cool down creams for your muscles and everything in between that you could ever need um, to help you feel better. And everybody deserves the opportunity to heal and we want to help Heal Brand heal the world. That's our mission. So you can head over to HealBrand.com, H-E-A-L-B-R-A-N-D.com. Use code PLAYTHEGAME and you will get 10% off on any of your orders over there. We really appreciate them and thank you to everybody who supports by going and supporting our sponsors. This show is also brought to you by Transfuse. You guys have heard about Transfuse. They are blowing up in paintball. It is a company that is creating amazing products like their rapid hydration multiplier, the transfuse powder that you see the packets of on everybody's Instagram. And it also has an immunity fortifying formula that is scientifically designed to replenish you at the cellular level. And they use all natural ingredients, which I'm a huge proponent of. It has to be good for me. Otherwise, it doesn't make it into the regiment. So huge shout out to them for doing that. Um, It combats dehydration, mental exhaustion, and supports your immune system, which we all need more than ever with the pandemic and everything that's going on. So definitely head over to translabs.com, T-R-A-N-Z-L-A-B-S.com. And also use code PLAYTHEGAME and you'll get 10% off there as well. Um, They have amazing vitamins in this product. You've got to check it out. They have zinc, uh, which helps regulate your immunity. Um, They have uh, B6, which helps lower cholesterol and boosts your brain function and just makes you feel really good. It has sodium, potassium, choline, 1,500 milligrams of vitamin C, And it's used by everybody. We see athletes, festival goers, um, first responders, people just wanting to recover or prevent the cold using this stuff, and it's tremendous. So head over to Translabs, T-R-A-N-Z, 
LABS.com. Use code PLAYTHEGAME, you get 10% off. If you sign up for a monthly subscription, you also get another 10% off. So you could potentially take advantage of 20% off on Transfuse. Be on the lookout for um, their new products coming out this year. They have a new Tropics that's going to be dropping. We tested it at World Cup, and obviously it worked out pretty well. Uh, had some fun out in Florida for the World Cup where we won that one with Dynasty. Um, so be on the lookout for all their new stuff coming out this year. And thank you to Transfuse and Trans Labs for everything that they do for us. We absolutely love you guys. Thank you. And the show is also brought to you by G2 Paintball. G2 Paintball and BKI have teamed up for the 2021 Paintball Combine. It's going to be in Phoenix and they're also doing one in Boston. Um, that's going to be Saturday, January 9th, which is this upcoming weekend. And then the Phoenix one, I will be at with a bunch of other pro paintball players. That is going to be a Saturday, Sunday, January 30th and the 31st. You can register for that at paintballcombine.com. Uh, that's P-A-I-N-T-B-A-L-L combine.com. All right, so go check that out. Um, also head over to g2paintball.com and look at G2 Paintball. They're doing amazing things in the landscape of paintball. They're helping paintball players become more athletic and to learn the movements that top-level paintball players use during a game and start to really hone in on those types of movements. That way we can get more athleticism in paintball and help people you know, accomplish their dreams of being pro or being in the next level of their paintball career. It's a paintball athletics company that will help you become the best paintball athlete. And uh, they're training to maximize your performance on and off the field. You're going to be feeling good when you're playing paintball. And also in your everyday life, you're going to feel good because these types of workouts are just going to be good for your overall health. It's used by Dynasty and we want to see people go pro. So head over to g2paintball.com. Also go to paintballcombine.com. Check that all out. And like I said, be sure to sign up for the 2021 Paintball Combine if you have an opportunity to make it to Boston for January 9th or to Phoenix for January 30th and the 31st. Head over to paintballcombine.com and look at that. Sorry about that. Um, thank you all for all the support. We can't do this without you. And without further ado, let's hang out with Joe Barrett and hear his story. by Marcelo Margot. Great communication. And the crowd starts chanting Harmon. Great, great shot by all the guys. So Tyler Harmon saved that game. Came out with two wins. Marcelo Margot was on fire. Mr. Joe Barrett, we got him. The Pacacato Lord is with us today on the Play the Game podcast. Thank you so much for joining us, brother. Um, how are you doing? Hopefully you're holding up well. Where are you tuning in from right now? Uh, thank you so much for having me, both of you guys, uh, and yeah, I'm doing amazing. I'm happier than I've been in a long time, and tuning in from my new home, uh, I just rented a new house for the year uh, right outside of Davis, California. Beautiful. Yeah, dude, you, yeah. you got a lot You got a lot going on right now. New team, new home, new you, new year. It's like, <laughs> you know, the whole 2021 uh, collection. Yeah. For real, man. It, uh, you know, I think it was a tough year for everybody, but uh, I don't know. I feel like what you give your attention to really becomes your reality. And I just really tried to not focus on any of the negative or the bullshit. And throughout the year, my year, aside from, you know, losing international travel, things kind of just kept 
getting better and better. And like the path kind of just kept unfolding towards these opportunities that eventually dropped in my lap. And now I feel like 2021 is going to be my best year ever. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that's a, a really valuable outlook on things, right? You know, and it doesn't mean to completely ignore all the negatives or ignore when you have certain issues that might need tending to. But a lot of people do devote too much energy to things that might not be in their control. And, you know, last year, 2020, there was a lot of things that weren't in anybody's control, you know, and you have you have options there. You can either figure out how to carve a path for yourself that you're going to enjoy, or you can dwell in the path that you don't enjoy. So, you know, it, it is a perspective for sure. And that's something that I admire out of you, Joe, for a long time. As long as I've known you, you've always pursued that kind of lifestyle. You've really tried to you know, get the most out of whatever it is that's in front of you. And um, I think that's why you've had some amazing travel stories too. We'll get into that in a little bit, you know, but yeah. uh, it's, it's important, man. But uh, yeah, you know, you got a lot of good things going right now. And, uh, you know, it's not because of, uh, you know, anything else other than the energy you decided to focus in the right direction. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think, I think so. And thank you very much for that. I appreciate, you know, you and Tyler have both been, uh, idols in the game for mine for for a long time i mean we're about the same age but i remember seeing you guys in the pro field when we were young teenagers and i was like man i i want to play against that guy someday both these dudes and yeah. uh yeah it means a lot hearing that and you know it's it's cool that a lot of us uh guys who have reached this level we kind of have that similar outlook where you know once again it's not like we can be ignorant to the fact of things happening in reality around us it's not like oh no that that's not happening that's fake or uh that's non-existent or that's not a real issue for a lot of people in this world but uh you know my example is so many people around me it's like anytime we'd have a conversation for like the last half a year it's about politics or it's about some crap that it's like oh man, this is literally all you're focused on. And you know what? You could be starting a new skill or learning to cook or going and trying to hike and explore every part of your own area since you can't go to other countries now. And by the end of the year, you're going to go, that was a good year rather than, oh man, all this year of divide and blah, 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 and this and that. And more, more thinking about the stuff that you can't do anymore because, well, last year was great. I did all this. This year I couldn't because blank or the rules and yeah, people just they focused on the loss and they were comparing and you yeah. know, they made it about the negatives. Yeah, that that's all too common a theme, right? I mean, uh it's mm-hmm. e- it's easy to get pulled into with that energy and it takes conscious effort to choose to create your own paradigm, your own reality, your own way of viewing this experience and it's uh it's it takes energy either way. So you might as well try and lean it in the way that's going to empower you, right? <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I I feel like, you know, we're extremely fortunate because the reality is that a lot of people haven't set their lives up in a way that they can have that flexibility. You know, um, everyone sitting here has set themselves up because it's kind of been a mindset from day one to have that flexibility to where if a door closes, there's other opportunities for us, you know, or, or we make other opportunities. There's, we have, you know, a little more flexibility is a perfect word for it, you know, to, to deal with something like 2020 and all the stuff that did happen and all the shutdowns and stuff like that. Whereas unfortunately, you know, you can't discount some of the families that were hit pretty hard, you know? Yeah. Um, like that's just, again, also reality. There's a, a reality lot. Of things, There's totally, a lot of them. You know? And yeah. yeah, absolutely. And, yeah. but, but I think that's a good lesson for kids that are listening is like, don't put all of your eggs in one, one basket either. You know, you need to always have kind of a, a plan B plan C you need to be thinking and not so sure that 
this way is going to be the way for the rest of your life because things change, you know, and what's considered a, a very safe nine to five that, you know, you did all the right things. You, you go to school, a huge advocate of getting, you know, an education, being intelligent, well-spoken, all that stuff is very important, you know, and then you, you get into a company that you think you're going to be set up for the rest of your life. And then all of a sudden, you know, a recession hits and now the company is making cuts and, you know, you don't make it. Now you don't know what to do because you, you, you thought you were climbing the ladder to success and you didn't really have other stuff in mind where, paintballers by nature have always had to be, you know, kind of dancing on our toes with this kind of stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, because yeah. it's the nature of our business. And so, you know, I think we're, we're fortunate as, as a paintball community, we've all done fairly well during this time. Blessed. I, I'd say, yeah, fortunate and blessed by uh, any means of the words. And uh, yeah, I mean, our flexibility really does allow for our lives to kind of have that, uh, that ebb and flow with whichever way the river is going. Um, but you know, not to put it in any certain religion, but like in a Buddhist way, it's kind of like one thing that I studied a little while ago is, uh, just having no attachment either, you know, no attachment to, uh, only one defined path to get where you're going or one particular outcome. Uh, I feel like it helps so much because with that attachment comes, you know, let let down and, uh, resentment. And if you're kind of just able to go with the flow and say, oh, you know, like this year, uh, right after Vegas, I wanted to go to Colombia, Panama, and then MXL all linked in a row would have been three weeks traveling through South America. And we got home from Vegas that Tuesday. And it was like, oh, guess what? COVID whole country shut down. You're not going anywhere. And I could have let that ruin my whole week or my whole year of man, I didn't get to do this, you know, another bucket list experience. But instead it was just like, uh, it'll, it'll happen again. Like I'll get there for now. I guess let's just see what else I can do. Yeah. Enjoy the moments that you have right now. Yeah. There's nothing that, that you can do, you know, whining about something that hasn't happened. You got to just, you know, be grateful for the moments that you have. And, and, you know, the universe is so perfect. It's just perfect. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't miss, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, so everything that happens is, by design, kind of, you're a part of this flow and you got to kind of just catch the flow and ride it and not try to, like you say, get too attached to things. Cause then, like you said, once again, you'll have all these resentment, all these, you know, um, different energies that are attached with that once you attach yourself to those types of things. So it's a, it's a conundrum. It can be, but, um, you just gotta, you know, keep flowing and moving and dancing. That's what life's all about, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's also resistance, right? So many yeah. people try to have too much resistance towards stuff they can't control. And that's where you really run into issues. You know, you resist mm-hmm. the flow of things. And, um, yeah. you know, that's, that's when you really get some backlash. So, Joe, what have you been doing during, you know, quarantine? Is what, it's been almost a year now? <laughs> crazy, <laughs> yeah. It seems like it, right? On and off yeah. with different, you know, lockdowns, this and that. That is you were so up, crazy. Oh, my God. You were God. up in Northern California, which was, was hit pretty hard. I don't know. Was your area – I don't know exactly where in NorCal you were. I forgot where you said. Right outside yeah, so- of Sacramento? Uh, specifically, I live just outside of Sacramento, um, and I spend about half or more of my week up in Grass Valley, which is like a uh, northern mountain suburb area between Sacramento and Tahoe. It's where my yeah. good friend Tim Russellback lives and a few of our other friends. Uh, you know, that's where we go to do all of our snowboarding. We swim at the Yuba River like every day. And uh, San Francisco and the Bay Area was hit very hard. That was, you know, that's yeah. an area where there's like – 7 million people packed on top of each other and a lot of people that travel from all over the place. But I was actually pretty fortunate, you know, like the media said that 
it was worse than it was in my area because Sacramento as a whole had shut down, you know, to the point of like no, no dine-in or no gyms a couple times, but nothing ever really like permanently closed. And up in Grass Valley, Nevada City, where it's kind of its own little like, uh, like a sealed bubble, like it, it's basically farm town. People up there are growers of agricultural stuff and, you know, California type things. And so yeah. nobody ever really, you don't go there. You know what I mean? You either already live there and have land. You're kind of just some like, you know, hippie farmer up there or, you know, I mean, there's no reason to visit there. It's not a tourist spot. So up there, like restaurants stayed open, obviously like, you know, they had masks and uh, social distancing, but it's a very outdoorsy patio on every restaurant type place anyways. So to be honest, I've, I've been very fortunate. Like, uh, you know, the first few weeks of quarantine was tough for me when I was staying in Sacramento due to the stay at home order. But aside from that, all right, everybody out there, sorry about that. We had a little bit of uh, we lost Joe for a second, but we're back in it. Um, Joe is, you know, obviously letting us know about his experience with COVID and everything. Thankfully, it hasn't been too crazy. We want to make sure we get you back to your festivals, though. I know that, uh, you know, we got to we got to still enjoy our lives. You probably still have festivals in your house just by yourself, I would imagine. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I have a few friends who are DJs in the uh, NorCal area, so we have renegades here and there. There we uh, go. You got the well, shirt on yeah, right actually. Now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, you know, the comfy attire. You got to you gotta wear how you feel. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's it, dude. You I guys know, do I, it. Play the game. Yeah, the always got to play the game, dude. That's yeah. the only way. Those shirts are actually the best. That's one of those. Uh, Where did you get that one at? It's like an Eastern culture t- style shirt, right? Yeah, Southeast Asia. I got this yeah. on an island uh, in Thailand. Um, actually, Beautiful. correction, I've had a few of these, but mine ripped. And my good friend and teammate Josh Hallberg got this for me last time he was over there. There we go. Nice. Check him out on YouTube. He's got the tie-dye action going on with the comfy tee. Um, so... You know, I know things have been crazy. Um, thankfully, you've been holding up well. And uh, I think that, you know, for a lot of people, you know, it, it's been a wild year. It's been a crazy year. And everybody just stay strong and, and stay positive and get out and play some paintball, have some fun. That's that's all we can do, you know, be safe, socially distance and, and do our best to protect everybody. Um, we want to definitely tap in and kind of find out how you got into this crazy game, obviously. Um, we all love paintball sitting here and, uh, we want to know how you found paintball or how paintball found you. What was, uh, what was your entry into paintball? Okay. So, uh, man, I love when you guys do this part of the show. Um, <laughs> my, yeah, it's a good yeah, time. I guess from the very beginning, the very first time I picked up a paintball gun, uh, would have been not to play the game. It would have been, um, my buddy Kenny down the street when I was 10 years old had one of those plastic, blade pump guns like just absolute yeah with the little co2 cartridges in the back horrible horrible marker um (laughs) and you know we went down to the woods and uh just started you know shooting trees and i was like man this is pretty cool and uh within a few weeks you know i told my dad about it and you know i'm 10 years old now and my dad's one of those classic guys where it's like okay coming up you know becoming a man like i had already been uh brought out to shoot 22s and shotguns mm-hmm. and he's like i think it's time we get you into paintball so you can play some war games in the backyard oh, with us 
And it's like, all right, cool. Uh, I'm very down with that. Uh, I'm, I'm into like first person shooters, like golden eye and stuff yeah. by that point with my little brother and my couple little buddies on the block. Yeah. So yeah. The, How uh, old were you at this point? Like when you first started 10, 10 years old, 2000. Amazing. Yeah. So it's been 20 years now, uh, which wow. is crazy to think cause I'm only 30 yeah. and yeah, it's, it's just weird to think I've been playing this game for 20 years. Like time flies when you're having fun, I guess. Seriously. Yeah. we and that's funny cause we're all around the same age and have been playing, you know, me and Marcelo just hit our 20 year mark mm-hmm. as well. And, and, uh, it's, it's a captivating game, man. It just, once you start, it's hard to put the paintball gun down. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, it's it's addicting, not only as a it sport, is. but kind of almost as a drug because it's doing those same things where it mm. releases uh, dopamine, serotonin, and adrenaline mm-hmm. throughout your brain and body. And since it's like a healthy addiction, yeah. it just kind of consumes you. Like you get pulled into wanting to do it and, and improve mm-hmm. it and basically become it. And eventually you just are a, a paintball player. I don't know how much my knees and rest of my body thinks it's a healthy addiction, but but, uh, I hear you, dude. I I couldn't agree more. It's such a physically demanding sport too. And actually all of the stuff you mentioned, you know, dopamine, serotonin, adrenaline, it's also very meditative, you know, because it's one of those Mm -hmm. games that forces you to be in the flow state. You know, as soon as the game starts, something takes over and you're not really thinking about anything else. And that is flow, right? That, which is a form of meditation. They've really started to look into that, how sports are incredibly meditative, you know, that really demand a hundred percent of your attention. You're not thinking about anything else. You're forced to be right there in the moment. And that's like the best feeling when you're actually playing paintball, when you're actually, you know, in the game, playing the game, Mm -hmm. it's unlike anything else, you know? Yeah. I'm happy you mentioned that. And and I always enjoy that you two, bring that concept up uh, here and there throughout your podcast, depending on the players you have on is because it's something I bring up to my friends who are into like yoga and meditation Mm -hmm. uh, as their meditation, like literally just sitting and meditating. I go, well, you know, beyond the competition and the travel and stuff, a big thing that I love out of my sport is it keeps me the most hyper present compared to anything else I can do. Because, you know, if you if you think for one moment while you're playing against other high-level players about, like, if you think about last point or you think about sushi you're going getting later when you're <laughs> leaving, you get shot in the face. So it's like yeah. you have to be right there the whole time. And there's, mm-hmm. there's you know, other than, like, uh, rock climbing without ropes, there's not a lot that really demands that at that level mm-hmm. where, mm-hmm. you know, the uh, the outcome could be so dramatically negative if you're not right there and in the moment. Yeah. Yeah, you got to grab it by the horns, man. And that's what the best players in the world do. Obviously, you know, you know that um, you've been in the game for a long time. The the top level guys are feasting in the moment and they're they're just thriving in that very moment. They're connecting with their teammates. They're making good moves. They're very hyper aware. Like you say, they're able to read situations on the drop of a dime and make really quick decisions. And that's all from that in the moment awareness. And you got to have that no matter what you do at the highest level that that comes into play there. Oh, totally. You know what I, what I really love though is remember the first time you went out and played. Right. And Joe, you, oh, yeah. you haven't, we haven't gotten to the first time you actually played paintball, Joe, just talking about like in the backyard and stuff. But we'll, we'll get into that story. But 
Yeah. Even yeah. The very first time you go and play, you get that same amount of adrenaline though. You know, like yeah. you're forced right into that. As soon as the game starts, it's like nothing else is relevant because you're, <laughs> you feel like you're fighting for your life. You know, yeah. like <laughs> you don't want to get shot yeah. with a paintball, you know? And so yeah. there's, there's not many sports that do have those kind of, you know, direct consequences. Football, if you get laid out, not going to feel very good, but most other sports, you know, um, it's minimal contact, you know, basketball, like unless you make a mistake or, or go up and, and land wrong, something like that. You're not really in like harm's way per se, you know, and, and in paintball, you're not either, but it definitely is, you know, you know, when you get shot, when you get shot with the paintball, it doesn't feel great, especially yeah. when you're first starting out. So, and if yeah. you're a young kid, you know, like you, uh, you're doing everything you can not to get shot and you're just running around, <laughs> your adrenaline's For going sure. and it's like, you know, it, it takes over. It's almost like BMXing or, or yeah. like an yeah, extreme exactly. sport. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It is an extreme sport. I yeah. totally classify paintball oh, as an is. extreme sport. Even though yeah. it's also, you know, it's it's kind of, it's strange because it's one of the safest sports there are statistically. That's right. You know, yeah. as far as injuries and things like that is really, you know, it's mm-hmm. a really safe sport, but it is Very pretty true. extreme too because cause there's, yeah. it's like, it's like, uh, it's pain that isn't going to be damaging. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, so there's a difference. It's like, um, you know, you're not, you're likely not going to get injured, but you know, sometimes getting shot can hurt. You get shot in the, in the neck or, you know, in the head in a good spot or in the knuckles when it's cold first game in the morning, you know, it it lets you know, you know, you're going to bleed a little bit. (laughs) Very true. That is funny. How, uh, our sport, you know, you will break far more bones skateboarding or biking or playing football or even playing soccer. Uh, but I, I've heard that paintball kind of releases a different type of adrenaline than those other sports. So mm-hmm. it's an extreme sport, but you know, when you're, uh, let's say you're riding a, a skateboard in a 12 foot vert ramp, mm-hmm. uh, it's extreme, it's adrenaline because of the excitement, but you need a projectile coming at you or something striking you, uh, like let's say paintball or the only other things you really get, it would be like UFC or boxing or being yeah. in the military activates fight or flight response where yeah. it's like mm-hmm. do or die. You know what I mean? Not uh, mm-hmm. land it to look cool and it's exciting, but do or you're eliminated or you're injured mm-hmm. or you're dead. You know, yeah. and I think that hooks a certain few of us. You know, there's those people who everyone enjoys it, but it grabs you when you first do it because you're like, whoa, like I, I get to be a hunter out there and I'm not going to go to jail for murder or actually kill anybody, but like I get to go outsmart the yeah. ultimate prey, which is another human that's ar- that's armed. Mm. Yeah. It's intense, man. That's, mm. uh, and I love how you assimilate it to fighting as well. Cause I, I love that assimilation. I think that paintball goes hand in hand with fighting. It's even the postures when I switch from left-handed to right-handed is, is like going Southpaw or, or hitting, you know, your regular stance, but it's uh it's very fighting oriented. And that's why I think a lot of people in jujitsu or boxing would be spectacular if they transfer into paintball. True. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, people don't really know this about me, but I was uh, one degree away from being a black belt and, uh, Oh, wow. You're so, talking to Mr. Black belt up here, Mr. Marcelo. He's a black belt. I've, I've heard, mm-hmm. I, yeah. I respect that. Cause I dude, know what it awesome. takes and dude, it, it's 100%. cool. And you, you know, what's funny is anytime you bring one of you, like your, uh, jujitsu or Muay Thai friends to paintball, they, they're obviously oh, not yeah. good off the back, but they have footwork. Mm-hmm. They're not going to be leaned in a weird way where they're off balance because their feet are lined up parallel. And as they snap, they fall over and you're like, yeah. okay, you, you understand at least technique because of body awareness. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So what did you get your brown belt in? What, what was it? It was 
I guess it would have just been karate, right? That okay, is one yeah. of them. It was around the block for me in Buffalo up until <clears throat> about. You got all the way up to brown belt, and you don't know if it was karate or taekwondo, judo, jujitsu, <laughs> muay thai. Karate. You know, the, you know, <laughs> the karate you know, kid. It, it, <laughs> the karate it's kid. It's funny. I, I I went there because same reason I played soccer and football and all those other things because my parents wanted to for yeah, gotcha. for discipline, teamwork. Gotcha. But by then. I was already consumed by paintball, you know, mm, like oh, wow. I see. those other things I'm, I'm showing up there and doing them and kind of like, I'm, I'm getting okay at them, but I'm kind of going through the motions because my yeah. head is elsewhere thinking about <laughs> Saturday and Sunday at the local field. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah. Gotcha. And for sure. all, all at about the same time, I, I dropped out of soccer, football, stopped skateboarding, stopped snowboarding, stopped Whoa. karate and dropped out of boy scouts. Like I just got my Eagle scout and then all around that Dude. same time, I was going into high school and I started getting the chance to uh, like free agent for more like D2 teams. And I was yeah. like, man, if I if I break my leg or do anything like that in any of these other things, I'm I'm not going to get to that that pinnacle. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, I, I was doing the same things, actually. Like, you know, I had a vert ramp in my front yard when I was like 10 years old and I would be riding my vert ramp and then I would, you know, snowboarding this, that and the other and then. As soon as I found paintball, that's all I wanted to do. But it was kind of weird for me. I, like, I never stopped doing those other things because I thought I was going to be pro at paintball. I was just like, I don't want to do those other things because paintball is way funner than them. <laughs> I was like, so I just kept <laughs> playing paintball and paintball. And then uh, after a couple of years, I you know got picked up with Bobby, and then the rest is history. But it's it's fully captivating, man. Once you, especially coming from the extreme sports backgrounds, like you're saying, it just fills that cup all the way up you know, for, for that sector yeah. of life. Yeah. Very true. Well, Marcelo, um, if I could ask, so what made you stop, um, you know, your, your jujitsu or, or the other, any of the other sports that you were playing, was it paintball or was it, uh, I just, you know, Dude, he hasn't first- stopped. He still chokes Ryan out every weekend at practice. <laughs> <laughs> That's not fair. Those are two different age groups. Okay. Two, yeah. Two different sizes too. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, as a matter of fact, I, uh, I stopped Taekwondo. So Taekwondo was a thing that I would always do with my dad. And uh, when my parents divorced and I was, you know, kind of forced to go live with my mom for the, for the first couple of years, um, I stopped Taekwondo simply because of that. So mm. um, it was unfortunate that I stopped Taekwondo because I was a second degree black belt when I did, and I was fully captivated by it. And well, uh, I had not found paintball yet. So paintball wasn't even on my radar. Now, my mom, I, I get to give, you know, my dad and I play paintball every weekend together, but my mom really gets the credit for starting me out because my dad never would have got me a paintball gun. I had to like con my mom into getting me one. We were at Walmart <laughs> one day. She got me a $25 stingray plastic gun. It's like the yeah. upgraded version of that blade that you were talking about. And yeah. if it weren't for her, I, I, I honestly probably never would have played paintball. I definitely wouldn't be where I'm at now. Cause I would have had to wait until I was like 16 or 17 to get one on my own. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I, I did stop Taekwondo, found a paintball gun, got really into paintball. My dad and I started doing paintball. That was our thing. And as I got older, you know, in, in high school and stuff, I still always enjoyed some martial arts. Uh, I did wrestling. I went back into jujitsu, did some Muay Thai classes and things like that from like 18 to 21, probably. And, uh, you know, I, I was got decent at, at those things. Taekwondo was really the foundation. And um you know, I always say this, 
the one thing it really gave me is discipline. It's the best thing about it. It gave me a lot of respect too. Um, the grandmaster essentially lived in our house. So he was, he acted as like a father. He would always discipline me. If I disrespected either one of my parents at home, he would take me upstairs and hit me with a bamboo stick. I'm not even kidding. You know, he'd make me put Oof. my hands out, whack my hands. And if I would like cry or pull them away, he would make me do it again. So I, I got Jeez. to a point where I would just, you know, put my hands out, get whacked with the stick. And, and that was it. I mean, if you tell those stories nowadays, kids are calling, you know, parents are calling <laughs> CPS and like, that's an issue but I'm so thankful yeah. for that. I truly am because yeah. um, one, it taught me to respect my elders. You know, I've, I've always prided myself on that. I, I have respect for people, not just my elders, I re- respect for people. I think that's an important thing, um, mm-hmm. you know, and the discipline that it takes to achieve something, learn that from a young age. Um, but the actual sport itself, I think to this day, like you mentioned, Joe, balance, reflexes, things like that. Those are things that you carry with you forever. Um, I'm by no means a black belt anymore. I forgot most of it. You know, I can still mm-hmm. do a little bit of a roundhouse kick and throw a few punches, but, you know, nothing like when I was younger. I was, was really good. Um, you lose most of that. But the stuff that absolutely stayed to this day that I attribute some of my success in paintball to are the reflexes, the balance, you know, the movements, stuff like that. And the badass headband you just dropped with HK Army. Let's go. Bro, the headband, the victory headband, baby. That's true. You guys can head over to (laughs) hkarmy.com, pick that bad boy up. World Cup luck. Yeah, hell (laughs) yeah. I saw that. I saw saw the picture today. That that is sweet. Yeah, hell yeah, dude. They're dope. Yeah, go yeah. check those out. And uh, I saw you you drinking transfuse over here on the YouTube. We got we got a little transfuse. Oh man. Have you been trying? Oh there we go. Nice. So what's your take uh, on it? You you like this stuff? I drink one every day. Transfuse is literally my mandatory. It's one of like my, you know, routines daily. Um, I was kind of already doing it because when I met Steven last year at World Cup, like the previous year when he was first there, uh, we we connected right off the bat because, you know, he's uh, he's kind of one of those music festival guys and a paintball guy, too. So we had a lot to talk about. And he's like, hey, I'd love to sponsor you. Um, we couldn't get a sponsorship for my team at the point, but he's like, I'll hook you up. You, you know, that'd be great. Yeah. And, um, so what I was already guy, drinking man. it, but Steven's the man. Oh man. Yeah. He is awesome. He is he such is. a good positive dude and a hard worker, mm-hmm. uh, and, and a dreamer. You know what I mean? When I talked yeah. to him about his thing and the kind of the, the holes and hoops he has to jump through to get into the sports world as a sponsor or, to get his stuff branded the proper way or to get his stuff FDA approved. Like, yeah, man, it's, it's a, a realm of crap that I never want to deal with. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's a workhorse. But, uh, that guy, dude, he he's just on it for sure. It's cause he's got, yeah. the, you know, he's got all these, uh, what is it called? The, the nootropics. He's probably just got nootropics yep. running through his veins. dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Did you guys, did you guys try that? Oh yeah. yeah. Absolutely. We use it at Cup. Oh. Yeah. Yep. It's really yeah. good stuff. That's how we won World yeah, Cup, got, man. Shout out to Transfuse. <laughs> I believe it. You guys looked sharp at Cup. You know, I noticed yeah. with that, uh, with Nootropics, I, I had used a different Nootropic once before an event. Is yeah. uh, You know, it's not like it all of a sudden turns you into a god, but mm-hmm. uh, something that you would already do, it's like your processing power is much quicker, so there's no hesitation. Yeah. And as yeah. far as like your vision, it's almost a little sharper. So it's like... My mm-hmm. gunfighting, I can see the balls landing and cutting through the blades of grass at the end of the field, a hundred yeah. feet away. It's like, yeah. whoa! I'm 
I'm like yeah. dialed in here. <laughs> it's sharp. It's crisp. You you feel crispier, you know, like just like you said, more dialed in. Um, there's a certain edge to the way that you play. Now, it does have, you know, it gets your blood pumping too. I know that it, it definitely has a little boost yeah. on it as well. If you take two scoops, you're, you're hitting the NOS button with that stuff. You know what I'm saying? You're going full <laughs> tilt. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yep. I love that yep. stuff. and also, you know, we, I, you guys talk about it in every show, and uh, I've given them plenty of video shout-outs and stuff through my own yeah. social media. But uh, especially in times like now with COVID, and yep. really, if you're going anywhere where you're worried about getting any type of sickness, the immune-boosting properties are the big reason I wake up to it every day because it exactly. just it it seems to supercharge my body with like yep. an armored defense. And uh, <laughs> hell yeah. yeah, you know, I'm 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 typically uh a barefooted kind of live through nature not worry about dirt or germs anyways type person but so if i can armor myself up a little bit and now even worry less i think you're already armored because of that though yeah by the way you're super armored (laughs) yeah exactly your body's built up enough antibodies to all the different germs out there dude we, we love that we absolutely love that about you too, Joe. I, I kind of want to pick your brain. We'll get back into your story here in a second. I want to pick your brain on that, on that aspect of life because I think there's something really powerful there. The connectivity that you obviously feel yeah. with the earth and the reason that you choose to be barefoot and, and the actual scientific energy properties that, that you can receive from being barefoot that you know they've done studies on all this kind of stuff. So I kind of want to pick yep. your brain on that aspect of life and, and what it's done for your experience, you know, Um, not just as a person, but as a paintball player. Yeah. You know, I can talk all about the benefits of this because, uh, I, I, people always joke with me about it. I basically, if I'm not walking into a restaurant or a bathroom (laughs) or somewhere where I have to wear shoes or if I'm playing paintball where I have to wear cleats, I'm barefoot like every day. And, uh, a lot of it's because I just don't like socks and shoes. I don't like sweaty feet and stuff like Mm -hmm. that. But the bigger reason is because of the benefits of a, not having rubber between your foot and the ground. You know, we've all heard that term even loosely grounding, but that's a real thing. Like your body is electromagnetic signals. And Mm -hmm. if every day for your whole life, you wake up in your bed, you turn over and slip on shoes, you walk across rugged floor, you go outside and walk to your car in shoes, and then you go into an office building or whatever, even go for a run in rubber soles, you never actually ground. And you never get rid of your uh, extra, like, what are they? Uh, so true, Joe. I, I guess oh it would God. be your electrons and your and your negatively charged ions. And that's how you sometimes get like that restless arm or leg syndrome where you get like a spasm. And you're like, why is yeah. my arm just like pulsing? Well, it's just all these like extra negative ions trying to find a way out. And they haven't touched grass or earth, earth. <laughs> yeah, it's it's laughable yeah. you know and well and- you're a light we're light beings you're water and light that's what you are okay so no different than a light bulb when i when i have a, a light system that i put in in my house i have to have it grounded right yeah. and and that's how that is able to you know exit through that grounding and it's the same thing you need to connect with the mother earth you need to touch the mm-hmm. earth you need to get your hands in some dirt. You need to play some paintball. You need to go out and play some woods ball or whatever it is, you know? I it's think that's why powerful. I think that's why paintball's been so great. Paintball players are running and diving in the yeah. dirt like every single weekend. We are earthing. Yeah, I think it's yeah. actually, you know, earthing is like the 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 more scientific term of that. I think it's the that's same right. thing as grounding, right? Yeah. Joe? 
Yeah, yeah. Sorry, uh, my girls asked me a question when we're going to the gym, so I had to tell her. There we go. Hours, yeah. Yeah. Shout out to the girl. What's her <laughs> name? Two hours. Yeah, her name is Mai. Mai, nice. beautiful. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Yep. She's she's my girl. Is there, is there <laughs> my girl. My girl. Yeah. Yeah. Talking yeah. about my girl. But uh, I I apologize. I, I was listening to you guys. I'm just she's showing me oh, a phone good. from like. 30 feet away i can't even see the message the message is how much longer is this going to be it's like oh. we're going to talk so it's going to be a while yeah. but uh, yeah, yeah. well that'll so, be good uh, see working out even after the show i love that there we go absolutely oh well, you, you have to you, train and we'll you, get into i'm you've got some oh, big go shoes to fill buddy you know yeah. moving yeah. over to aftermath in this rebuild one i mean obviously there's uh there's a bit of pressure because you know so many people have been talking up the camp rightfully so, so much recently. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Mike coming back, he expects greatness, um, you know, and so I, I, we'll get into that as the story goes on. Obviously, yes. I want to kind of jump back in, but that's that's really, to me, the meat and potatoes of this show because I want to talk to you about that whole transition and your ex- excitement for that because um, yeah. I'm excited for Aftermath. You know, I truly yeah. am. It's, uh, it's never been an organization that I don't want to see do well. Obviously, mm. it's, you know, if it's, uh, you know, us against you guys come Sunday – I don't want you to have any luck at all, of course. But <laughs> other than that, I'm I'm rooting for this team. I'm rooting for for that brand for Mike, you know, and, and everything. Yeah, we're all all of us uh, here. We're alumni. We're all aftermath yeah. alumni. Yeah. We've all played for the organization. <laughs> and you're, you know, you're about to get your jersey. Yeah, here. whoa, whoa. He's not not yet. Don't give yeah, him that yet. Yeah, he's, he got some at, stripes to earn. Oh. That, that tiger that tiger stripe shirt doesn't count. <laughs> <laughs> you're almost there, but it's exciting, dude. Because like Marcelo said, we love. Mike, we love the aftermath mm-hmm. name, and we are excited yeah. to see this rebirthing of the organization. It's huge news for paintball um, as a whole and for, for professional paintball um, because the aftermath name carries some cloud. It carries some weight, and it needs to be respected, and it needs to be put back in the in the right light. So hopefully, you know what you guys are building over there can get it where it needs to be. And uh, I know that you guys have the best coach in the world, and he's going to steer you guys in the right direction. And he might even Agreed. knock you into the right direction if he has to. <laughs> um, so, you know, you, you just got to you gotta make sure that you are giving it your all and playing with the full heart and with a lot of passion because that's what he wants mm-hmm. to see. He wants to see mm-hmm. that passion. That's what Mike needs. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. So, Joe, yeah. How'd, how'd you get into, you know, tournaments? You, you uh, started playing for fun with your friends. How did that – how did it escalate? Seems like nothing else started to matter. Yeah. That was the only thing on your mind. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, I guess to, to go, uh, all I really said was that I shot a a couple you know, trees in the woods with a a pump gun. But, uh, so my story is, you know, you were just saying how your dad would have never got you a gun. I kind of had the weird reverse. Uh, I've noticed (laughs) we have a lot of parallels in our lives. Actually, I have parallels with the both of you, but it's like, some of them are very similar. Other ones are the exact flip where it's like, oh man, I'm, I'm like the, the opposite yeah. version of what happened to his reality. And yet we both end up kind of near the same place. Crazy. Um, so to explain yeah, give us that some examples, is, we need some examples. So yeah, like my, uh, you know, my dad was like, all right, well, it's time to, uh, you know, bring you into manhood. You and your brother are going to get guns and we're going to play. And <laughs> like my, my very first time ever playing paintball was guess what? A birthday party. Hey, let's go party. <laughs> the, the cliche. It was a birthday party. <laughs> and it was it was at a um it was at a paintball field called Tsunami Paintball, which is mm-hmm. long since deceased in mm-hmm. uh, Buffalo, New York. Yeah, like literally yeah. it it fell apart in two thousand three. It was an yeah. indoor building next to a 
like a high grade, uh, like propane warehouse. So just this oh, huge boy. crappy warehouse, like holes in the wall and all that. And inside was this field where it's funny, my nostalgia of it, I loved it for every bit of it. But thinking back, this field was like uh, one layer of rug on concrete with no rubber pad. <laughs> And nobody ever like cleaned the paint or like like the paint or the shells. So it's yeah. just like a three inch layer of slimy goo <laughs> on the rug. So it's I hard. Think to- that's pretty common with the with a lot of the indoors. Uh, yeah. Boston paintball, they're like the only one that I've ever been to that's immaculate. And I will give some credit to the Phoenix uh, American Paintball Coliseum. They clean theirs up pretty good here. I was just out there. But for the most part, it's slime city if you go to indoor. Yeah, there's um, I mean, there's a few good indoor fields, mm-hmm. like the ones that put the money into it and maintain, you know, MVP paintball in Rochester was always very clean. Nice. Uh, head rush, rest in peace uh, yeah. in Syracuse was very nice. But this field was, you know, no disrespect to it because we love it. And and the owner actually died two years ago, Pat Vanillaueva, oh, the guy who got me into the sport. But, oh, um, you know, so he, he did his that. best. But it, I mean, you know, he, he left a, a big mark for everybody. And, uh, you know, yeah. I, I think he he fulfilled a purpose before he left. So we're all grateful of him. But anyways, his field was, you know, it's Buffalo is known to be kind of a rundown area in the Northeast. Uh, Niagara Falls is too. It's very dilapidated in those like warehouse districts near the water and the economy is not so great. And the standard of living is very, very cheap. So you make do with what you got and nobody complains because we're just happy to have a field in Buffalo for as long as we had it. And yeah, so absolutely. when I first showed up there, it was all hyperball bunkers, like the corrugate. Oh, wow. And, uh, you know, this is 2000, like mid 2000. And so everybody there has like auto cockers and auto mags. And there's yep. the one or two wealthy kids with like blue angel LCDs. <laughs> and my dad just got me and my brother black maxes, like the, the cheapest possible piranha. right feed, no front regulator. Like it's like a pistol, Yeah, you know, just a piece of crap. Those are classics. That's a classic (laughs) gun right there. Yeah. So I go there and, uh, you know, it's scary as hell because it's, uh, it's about a hundred feet long by 30 feet wide. Like it's less than half width and it's all plastic hyperball bunkers. And so it's loud 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 enough by so loud. It is so loud in there and you, it's hard to get a couple steps off the box to go. Cause there's so much goo on the ground, but if yep. you do get going, you can slide from about the 20 to the 50 because of all the <laughs> goo on the ground. So, uh, yeah, that was my first time playing paintball. Wasn't speedball. It was terrifying. I don't think I shot anybody. Yeah. Um, I barely left the back line and, uh, man. <laughs> yeah, from there we, we realized we had all these woods behind our actual yard, like a shared you know, like a field type area in my neighborhood. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, my mom did not want me playing paintball because she thought it was a sport that trains you to go to the military. And this Mm -hmm. is where I come back to Marcelo story. So my mom hated the idea of paintball. It's a money pit. It's going to make me violent, blah, Mm -hmm. blah, 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 blah. So she's like, no, you're not playing paintball. Well, she didn't know that my dad had already bought me and my brother these guns because they were divorced. (laughs) <laughs> and they divorced and I was like seven. So two different households. Yeah. So it was just kind of the thing like, Hey, we switch weekends every other weekend. Yeah. Well, every other weekend when we're <laughs> dead, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, you know, from when we get out of school Friday till Sunday, when it's too dark, 
yeah. every night is going to be war games behind my dad's field with the local buddies. Dude. And it was like that for like a, like a year to you, a year and a half of like, my mom could not know, or yeah. I would be probably grounded for life. Dude, what if you got smoked in the neck or something? You're like, Oh, I got a girlfriend. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Actually. How, how did you uh, maneuver that one? Yeah. I mean, well, when I, first of all, when I was a little kid, like, you know, we're all total cowards when we're little 10, 11 year olds in the woods. <laughs> You're bundled so up. I'm, yeah. I'm wearing like two hoodies with the hood up and there I have go. like that rubber JT neck protector yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So there's like nowhere that I'm really going to get a welt. And if I you did get a welt out. on my butt, thought it yeah, <laughs> I really had to. And it yeah. sucked because I didn't want to live a lie for so long, but I yeah. was, I had to play the sport. It was amazing. What a testament. And- what a testament <laughs> to paintball right here. You know what I mean? Yeah. Of like how captivating it is. <laughs> Yeah, what John you'll Rebel. do to do it. Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, my mom still thinks I'm just big into skateboarding and all that. But it's like paintball is starting to get more and more addictive with all these weekends in the woods. And then sure enough, another buddy had a had a birthday, this kid AJ across the street from me back at that field. So it's been like a year since I've been back to speedball. I'm just trying to get my, you know, my uh my roots in woods ball with my couple buddies. Our team name is the foot. And it's like my the buddy foot. made T-shirts with. The foot. Hold on, the <laughs> buddy, foot. Swear to God, my buddy How Kenny did you guys made us come like, up with that. Uh, he he was in the Ninja Turtles, so he just literally drew <laughs> green Ninja Turtle feet on like a white T-shirt. Okay, and that was our we, woodball team. The foot. Dude, that is freaking amazing. We've done quite a few shows now. I think that that name takes the cake right there. <laughs> the <foot. laughs> it might. That's amazing. <laughs> it might. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, you know, like it's so you know, it's me and the foot playing against the other little jabronis in the neighborhood, uh. and eventually we get invited to this kid's birthday again, and he rents out the place. There's like 20 of us, we and go. we have like a we have like a couple of weeks to like plan this out. Now my friends start getting autocockers and stuff. Of course. And <laughs> I go to I go to this place like a sports replay where it's like they sell hockey stuff and all this used stuff but they also sell used paintball equipment. And I kid you not, at the time, I bought a right feed hammer autococker with no barrel, just a, just the autococker itself, <laughs> mechanical for $700. Oh my and gosh. Yeah, it was brutal, man. But like, Dude. you know, a brand new WGP blue pro stock or something like that would have been like around a thousand still for a mechanical. That's right. So I was pumped to have this thing and be able to like, sweet, I can actually shoot accurate and hit my target now. Dude, at that and, time, uh, that was like $1,500 yeah, you spent. That was a lot of money at yeah. that time. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, dude. Well, yeah. I think I was 11 or maybe 12 when I got that thing. So that was more money than I ever imagined. Whoa. Once again, yeah. my... My dad isn't—he's a car dealer, like uh, independent, yeah. like sells cars. So he's not making loads of money, and my mom isn't going to give me money to help this thing. Yeah. So, like, basically, how I did it was because I'm too young to legally work. Yeah. Um, I would during the summer, like when I was trying to afford paintball, I would mow people's lawns yep. with my push mower up and down the block for like ten bucks a lawn. Yeah. And then in the winter, uh, Buffalo gets unbelievably snowy, like. Yeah. Sometimes you get like five, six foot snow drifts. And so I would take a shovel because my parents aren't going to loan an 11 year old kid, the snowblower. Mm-hmm. And I would go and shovel driveways up and down my, my block, which luckily it snows enough that every day there's going to be new snow in the driveway. So I would many, make sure many, that I was out. How many lawns did you mow and how many, like, how many did you do? 
because this is great, dude. That's amazing. I love that. I would I would do minimum uh, ten lawns, or if it was shoveling driveways a day. I I wouldn't go home Damn, dude. until I had made a hundred bucks. Wow, that's and so if, cool. And if I didn't make a hundred bucks, I'd go down the street to the Aldi's. Uh, you know that like yeah, grocery yeah, store. Yeah. Well, I, I had this little hustle I thought of there. It sucks. But <laughs> it does. When you, when you go to Aldi's, <laughs> they have that thing where um, if you put a quarter in the cart, that's how you get yeah. the cart. So it oh, kind of yeah. makes you return the cart on your own to get the quarter back because oh. they don't want to hire a cart boy. Yeah. Well, I had this idea. I was like, I'm going to stand there outside the store. And when yeah. people leave, I'm going to follow them to their car and be like, hey, can I help you put your uh, your food away and get your cart back for you? And most of them are like, oh, absolutely, young man. Yeah, that'd be nice. Thank you for taking my cart for me. Yeah. Some of them go no because they want to bring it back for the quarter. Yeah. Though a, you know, kid could use more. <laughs> and then, you know, so you'd have to do four carts to make a dollar. Yeah. So I would I would do like hundreds of carts a day to Whoa. make like, you know, maybe <laughs> maybe 20 or 30 bucks. But every once in a while, you'd get that nice good Samaritan who'd come over and give you like a $5 bill or a $10 bill and be like, God bless you for bringing yeah, their yeah, cart yeah, back. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Dude, there's so. something. This is huge, man. This is this is that grit equity that we talk about, Marcelo. This is, <laughs> dude, digging deep to to make your dreams a reality. Um, I did the same thing, kind of. I would go mow lawns when I was young, and because I didn't have any money, you know, to play paintball, so I would do that. But what you're talking about is next level. Like you, you yeah. really were working your butt off, and uh, it, it shows. It still is the same person that you are today. You know, I, I see you out at paintball fields, and you're always working really hard. And it started Thank somewhere. You. It's not something that you just pick up one day. You know, you've been doing this since you were a little kid. You know. Thank you. Well, yeah. dude, I have I have dig deep tattooed on me. Like there we go. <laughs> a paintball cliche that's been stuck with me forever, and yeah. um, that's a big reason I really enjoy that you guys talk about grit equity. You know, it's better than sweat equity because yeah. sweat equity is just the actual workout or like uh, the, you know going to the yeah. gym. But grit equity is putting in your time of like really sacrificing and grinding in every which way, and a lot of times. Mm-hmm in entrepreneurial ways. Cause you're like, well, I can't make it happen legitly. I can't, I don't have yeah. a working paper to get a job yet. I'm not 14. I'm going to figure this out. Cause yeah. my parents tell me, Nope, right off the back, you know, for two years, my mom doesn't even know I'm doing it. And it's like, I have to figure out a way to do this because I yeah. love it. Like I, I can't yeah. see not doing this thing, you know? <laughs> all right, kids, all the, all the youngsters out there, go mow some lawns, go shovel some <laughs> snow, do whatever it takes to get on that paintball field. Yeah, the thing is the landscaping business <laughs> is very lucrative. If you, yeah. <laughs> it's very lucrative. Oh yeah. Landscaping people are crushing it. I have some friends that, that, uh, you know, own some companies doing that, that do very well. It's not yeah. a bad, it's not a bad thing to get into at a young age, you know? Totally. Yeah, start to take take over the whole block in your whole area. You know, start <laughs> yeah. as a young kid mowing all along. Yeah. So next thing you know, you're you're doing everything for him. Yeah, that's right. Seasonally, you're always gonna have something to do too. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. in the fall, if you're in a fall type area like New York was, you're gonna get to clean up leaves and bag and stuff like that. Winter, yeah. you're gonna get to shovel every single day if you're in the. <laughs> you're, cold, you're gonna get snowy. to. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're gonna get to the the. the, the, the the tundra hellhole that is the northeast will give you a chance to make money on snow. Yeah, um, I didn't even honestly. I didn't even know that you grew up on the east coast. When? When? Really? Did, no, I, honestly. I when did you move out west? Oh man, you went to Florida first, right? Florida, and then yeah, went through like the damage camp, and then came out west. Yep. I think. Well, I, 
Uh, not quite. So, I mean, we'll go through this, okay. but like to yeah. quickly clarify, uh, I grew up between Buffalo and Niagara Falls, New York. Like I, I was five minutes from the Niagara Falls. It was like in my wow. backyard. So Whoa. that was cool. You almost take it for granted after a while, but it's beautiful. It is. Um, it really and then is. I've, I lived for a little while in different parts of like Flint or Detroit, Michigan, when I was playing mm. with uh, a semi-pro team there. And I've lived out of my car in Canada for a little while. Wow. And then I lived in Florida for a year. And that was, we'll get to that story. It was the worst year ever oh, back no. in 2012. Okay. Um, the first time I went there to try out for damage when I was still like way overweight and not ready to be on a team, especially mm. like that. Mm. Um, after that, I moved back to New York and then I actually moved to California in 2015 yeah. uh, before I was on damage. And I was here for about one month. I was probably going to end up in the DMG camp. And then damage hit me up and said, hey, you know, mm. you already missed your tryout. But if you can drive across the country in time, like we're starting practice next weekend, like you have a chance to be in this camp. Like you're going to walk onto the semi-pro team and you have a chance to earn your way to the pro team. And uh, wow. that that night I packed up my stuff and I began a three day straight drive by myself across the bottom of the country, got there, lived in Florida for those two and a half years. And then I just moved back to California in, uh, January 3rd, 2018. Wow, man. You've been on a freaking trek. <laughs> this is yeah. amazing. Talk about heart, man. You lived out of your car playing paintball, traveling across the country. Wow. Okay. We got to get into this. We well, gotta I, go. we, absolutely. Yeah. We do. I have a question about it real quick though, Joe. Yeah. During all of this, you making all of these different sacrifices to pursue a professional career. Did you know what it meant to be a professional paintball player monetarily and, and what's involved? Or did you have an illusion that pro paintball players maybe all made a hundred grand? I'm, I'm curious about that. Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, you know, I, so early on, like coming up through paintball, uh, you see these guys, you know, with big contracts and the Awe Lang signing deal and stuff like that. And obviously money wasn't the reason I wanted to go pro, but I was like, sweet, I'm going to do this thing. I love that. I want to do just to do, and I'm going to make pretty good money. Like at least like a living wage, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. 27 grand a year would be fine. I'm not trying to make millions. Sure. Yeah. And you know, then the depression hit like the housing bubble in 08 and my my longest time coach and mentor, Buddy Bauer, who is the guy that was on, you know, Shockwave Canada. He he raised Tipman Effect. He came from Detroit Thunder, and then he created the Rhythm Camp, um, which just won everything in the Northeast for like a decade before it kind of fell apart. Yeah. Um, he would tell me, he's like, "Hey, man, I want you to soak up every bit of this paintball lifestyle, and I I believe and hope you'll go pro." And I want you to, you know, enjoy all those benefits. But so, you know, you got to do something else. Like you got to have another, a trade or a skill or a degree. Like, please don't end up like one of these old school guys that lived it all. And now they're just, you know, working some part-time job. Sure. So I kind of knew that. Um, at the same time, I, I have this, it's, I mean, my mom would call it stubborn, but I have this part of me that just goes like, you know what, that might be your limit. Like maybe you feel like nobody else could do that, but don't like, I don't know, project your limit on me. Like I, I feel like I could make a living out of this. And I knew there were certain guys doing it. For example, Tim Montressor and Ryan Greenspan are professional paintball players and they might not get handed a paycheck just for playing or going to the event. But 
you know, those guys I hear travel 40 plus weekends a year and make decent money because they fill out all those non-event and practice weekends with clinics where we make pretty good money. You know, I, I can make uh-huh. a grand in a weekend, no problem doing my clinics now. And it's like, that's not even a hard ask because it's, it's a big team that's bring you in divided it up. It's not that much. And we offer quite a bit of value at this point, you know? So I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm still going to pursue it. And when I first went down uh, right out of college in 2012 to try out for damage, I heard that damage, like some of those dudes, you know, Jason, Chad, um, uh, the bigger names in that team were making like, maybe it wasn't necessarily this much money, but it was like 50 guns a season or something like that. And so in my head, it was funny. I had convinced myself that I was like, I'm going to go down there. I'm going to fucking wow everybody. And I'm going to make Tampa Bay damage. And this would have been when they were super dominant, like at 2011 into 12, they won like five events in a row. Mm-hmm. I think you were with them for some I, of that, Tyler. I was, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. It, was a, it was a great organization. They had a lot of yeah. uh, very powerful players on that team. Very. I, yeah. I was actually in your pit one of the times that you were on that team because yeah. every once in a while, me and Schwabi would pod for those guys. Yeah, um, dude, I don't know thank you. I love you. Thank you're you, welcome. bro. <laughs> I love you too, man. It's, <laughs> who's who's Schwabi? Uh, That's his Schwab- boy. Yeah, he was an, he was another uh you might remember him. He was a pretty heavy set kid, probably like 632, uh but he was always around the static organization. Okay. So the static guys would like they would hook him up with little gigs like that like hey, hmm. you yeah. hit for damage and you're going to get gotcha. all their leftover paint. And we would leave with That's like right. 30 cases of paint cuz damage yeah. one of those teams where it's like if they yeah. maxed out a team and a bunch of paint sitting there they don't care if it's not even open. They're like, here you go. We're going to go get more from the paint truck. So mm, that's right. we would, that's another, you know, that's another little off. hack. That's another hack for you people out there that want, you know, trying to figure out ways to, to get paint or to, you know, uh, get an oh, edge yeah. in the game, do yep. pitting and you'll get free paint from the, from those top level level players, but you have to do a good job as well. You guys were always True. there putting it True. down. Yeah. 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 You cannot be just sitting there watching the game or getting yeah. people's way. You need to actually, you're there for work. So do your work. That's and then it. you will get all that paint. And even the stuff that's coming out of pots, it's yeah. 10 minutes old and it's five star from some pro team Money. skid. It's the best paint you could ever bring home for practice. Money. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, to finish that topic, uh, you know, at, at that time, I was kind of uh, in a delusional state where I was like, I'm going to go to this team, I'm going to get picked up. And it's all going to be worth it. Like I didn't take that job out of college because I'm going to get paid to be on Tampa Bay Damage, who are right now like the best team in the world. Mm-hmm. And it's so funny looking back now because it's like, dude, even if they picked you up, yeah, they're not going to pay the rookie. They're they're probably going <laughs> to give you your two guns a year, but you weren't about to get fifty guns and living salary and whatever. <laughs> and yeah, we'll get in. We'll get into that. I love the passion, of, though. I love that yeah. passion. And you're right. I think there is a lot of misconception, though, right, going on in paintball. And I think that's what Marcelo was alluding to. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, yeah, we make a living by grit and grind nonstop. We don't take weekends off. You know, it's it's like a Drake song. Um, so it's like, uh, you know, you got to be in it for the long haul and you got to have your heart in the right place and do it because you love it. Because that yep. that's the greatest ROI, right? You're actually doing something you enjoy doing. You're able to travel. You're able to see your friends. You're able to play this amazing game and have fun and enjoy yourself. That has its own tremendous value as opposed yeah. to maybe another line of work, right? Very true. I mean, the yeah. biggest value in it, and it's why even after that year 
which was a heartbreak when I, I lived in like the worst hood of my life and then didn't make the last round of cuts and get on the team and, you know, and asked why. And it was due to no, like I had a really good tryout. We'll, we'll get to that story. But basically to the point it was, I didn't make the team because I was, you know, out of shape and not ready. And I went, I moved back to New York and I was like, I'm still pursuing this. And, you know, my coach, my old coach buddy set me straight on like, Hey, you know, even if you had made that, that wasn't going to set your life up. And I was like, man, honestly, I'm pretty like minimalist and like, yeah, uh, not materialistic. And I really just could give a shit less about the whole life yeah. thing. Like I want to live in this now. And if I live 20 years of in the now doing what I love, I think that's yeah. going to be better than the next 40 years in a dead end job. And then trying to enjoy my retirement when I'm already like out of my physical prime and mm-hmm. I can't physically go do all these things anymore. So mm-hmm. I just went a hundred percent full steam after that, like more than I already was. Uh, knowing that like, Hey, there's no light at the end of this tunnel financially. The best I might get is like Houston heat making 30 grand a year, but that's not even what I'm going for. I'm going to go for all of the, uh, bigger treasures, which are going to be the paid for trips to Thailand, Malaysia, Mexico, blah, 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 you know? Yeah, Yeah, that's right. Well, not blah, blah, blah. Let's talk about the places that you've been because I, we talk about it often, man. (laughs) We talk about it often. That is you, I like the the way you said it. The bigger treasures of the game are the experiences, the friendships, and you know the travel. That's absolutely the lessons. That is what makes me feel rich from this game. I, I feel wealthier than yeah. any of my friends that have six figure incomes, or you know, some of them are, they're millionaires now. But I look at them I'm like, you you have a lot of money, you have a lot of really nice things, but you don't look that happy to me. I don't know. And and we go out somewhere and you don't have just common decency for people that are a little different than you, you know? And to me, it just seems very empty. And actually I'm not friends with many of these people anymore because we don't, we don't relate that much. You know, I relate to people that that are, that are just a little more grounded, you know, not, not to use that term, (laughs) uh, you know, as a, uh, um, you know, double uh, entendre, but you know, it is what it is. So, where have you been? Where's paintball brought you? Cause that's one thing I think that started to get you recognized, at least for me, you started to jump on the radar. Cause I'd always see you at these places. I would be in these yeah, places yeah. and I would see you and I'm like, who's the, what are you doing here? You know? And then you're playing good with yeah. your team and building a little brand for yourself. Yeah. It's funny. Cause I mean, in the back of my, my mind, it's like, it's kind of like when people have uses for each other and that's not the only reason they get to know each other, but it's like, I know that if I network with this person, that'll be the in or whatever. And not that I'm like, I, I was trying to, I never use anybody and I wasn't trying to network with anybody to get certain teams, but my use of traveling was like, okay, I'm, I'm stuck in divisional and semi pro for a while, like five or six seasons straight of semi pro. And everybody knows if you're in paintball for a while that there's a, it, there's a very slow turnover in pro, you know, one team is going to bump up. And other than that, maybe five more players will bump up a year. If that, because a lot of teams don't have tryouts and a lot of teams have tryouts, but the very best semi pro player still isn't going to quite challenge a veteran for his spot even when the veteran's not really trying anymore, just because he has, he has 10, 20 years of pro experience. So you might be a little faster, a little whatever, but he's just going to outclass you because he's been aging his game like a fine wine. So I realized this, like I saw the ceiling cap and me and my, you know, one of my longtime best friends and my world traveler buddy, Harrison Fry kind of like figured out the formula where we're like, Hey man, we could probably get picked up 
and play in like a open like slash pro division in other countries where a lot of these other pro players are going to be there's like those 10 to 20 rotating traveler guys like you marcelo uh ryan uh rest in peace but tim montrester was a big one all over the place yeah um blake for a while greg sewers for a while before you know getting married and settling down a little bit there's i can think of about maybe 10 to 20 guys at any given time that they're always in those other countries even if they're not with their team because they're there for their company or for the usa team or whatever and so i was like man if we can go play these guys and we just consistently start shooting them and that's going to make them go in their huddle and be like hey what happened over there how'd you get shot on d side i got shot by so-and-so oh did he shoot your move no i got shot in a gunfight and it's like now you're forcing them to mention your name. And then when you get back stateside, it's like maybe while you're playing your semi-pro games, these guys might be watching you, especially if you're on the Sunday center court field. Now they're really going to pay attention, you know? And and that was a big thing. Like I was already kind of obsessed with traveling after my first time going to uh, Bangkok, Thailand with Shockwave Canada way back in like 2011 when I was 21. Uh, it it made me realize, wow, I want to be the international pro now. This is amazing. And I saw like, you know, Damien and Tim and Monville and a lot of those guys over there and started to get to know them. Yeah. Um, but Dude, shout after out to I all did those legends. damage, <laughs> yeah, yeah, shout out to the legends. T- Team yeah. USA guys, shout out to the War Eagles. Yeah, all, my, War Eagles. <laughs> <laughs> all, all of my moped brothers from the other side. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But yeah, so I didn't make damage and I was like, okay, how am I going to get more chances to see these guys other than just getting a few more years of semi-pro under my belt? Well, mm-hmm. I'm going to go start playing them and showing them that I could shoot them. Yeah. And and that was it. It wasn't trying to be cocky. It wasn't uh, a vengeful well, way of like I'm yeah, it's, it's like it's not like I'm going to hurt these guys or I'm going to I'm going to get them back. It's yeah. like I'm going to come and shoot you and show you that That's right. I should be good enough to be one of your teammates. And that right. was it. And I just started doing it in Let's see here. All over Europe, uh, almost every part of Mexico I've been to now. I've been to like 20-something Mexico tournaments. And when did uh, you start traveling? Like when did you make this decision? So uh, 2011 was the first time that I yeah. went overseas. And then after that, I started doing uh, like every season of CXBL where yeah. that, that was the big first one is CXBL at the time was almost like a second PSP Pro it was in yeah. cxbl elite yeah you remember that marcelo yeah. you and mouse were on a combined team with damage and i yep. played against you guys with rockstar oh, so wow. i remember sorry, that like so, sorry about that <laughs> yeah you guys i think you guys beat us like 13 to 3 or something like that but yeah. you know what i got all three of those points there we go <laughs> there you go nice Swear to God, the only Love the only okay. notable guys in that team were me and Tom Guest, uh, tall Tomcat, who's not. Yeah. Tom, that's so and crazy. Was, yeah, wow. I had yep, no clue. me and Tom were the guys. We double up in the Aztec in the back center every mm. point. We had another guy, Wes Elliott, who was just like a solid role player, and mm. it was like us three and a bunch of like young sixteen-year-old front guys that would either get chainsawed off break by fifteen balls a second, <laughs> or just pick bad gunfights with you guys. And yeah. so we had to like, you know, put the team on our back every point just to try to struggle and hang in there. Mm-hmm. And regardless, we're going to get beat down by you, by Vicious, by Uprising, by mm-hmm. a bunch of excessive guys on Recon. There's so many pro guys, but I got to yeah. go shoot a lot of those pro guys. And I was making sure to at least get my one every point. 
mm-hmm. you know, because the score or whatever, it's it's going to be bad either way. <laughs> yeah, but you know what happens in that as well? Um, I, I got to be honest. I, look, rip, looking back, I, I I had no idea you played on those teams against me, you know, and that's kind of my bad because I should be I should be scouting that kind of stuff because I'm always trying to look for young and upcoming players. But you know what it did for you, Joe? The biggest thing that that we recommend to young players, and you did it, when you go and travel internationally, exactly what you said, it, it was you and Tom and then everybody else kind of. You guys had to put the team on your back to go win points. That teaches yeah. you something very valuable to bring back to your team because typically if you're a divisional player, a semi-pro player, and you get picked up on a pro team, it's very unlikely that the team's going to rely on you to win the games. You're not going to be that guy. You're likely going to fall into a, a role position and be told to do your job as you're earning your stripes, right? Rightfully yep. so. That's the natural progression. But if you travel internationally, you're going to be that guy for your team. And it teaches yeah. you how to be aware of everyone's jobs. And you get more experience because you're like, dude, hey, kid, look, when you go here, you need to be looking this way. Or why did you make that move? We were up points and the clock was almost at zero. Mm-hmm. You know, And so now you're thinking of these things over and over and over and you're teaching them. And it makes you just an all-around better player. For sure. Very Absolutely. true. Totally. Very true. And if you have like, ahead, that's Tyler. what the, the best players in the world are a part of organizations that have five players on the field that are doing that, that are all taking responsibility, that are all going the extra mile to make sure that everything's set up properly. When you have an organization that's set up that way, you're going to be successful. But typically you'll just have one or two guys on a team, you know, that that are kind of dictating what everybody's doing. And then, you know, they tell this guy, okay, you're going snake, you're going Dorito, but then the snake and Dorito guys don't know what the rest of the team's doing. And it's a big hodgepodge. But when you get everybody on the same page and like diligently trying to know what everyone else is doing and taking care and really investing themselves in knowing that it changes everything. And that's what you learn by traveling. You know, you have to put it on your back and you have to dictate the game. Um, And I, you know, there's also so many more important parts of traveling and I'm sure sure. you could probably elaborate on those. Oh yeah. I could talk all day about traveling, but as far as just, you know, what it does for your game, I won't say what it does for your life and for your character. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it, when you go to Europe, it's very similar. Most everybody can speak English, and a lot of those guys in semi-pro and pro are pretty good. You know, they're not yeah. quite as good as the U.S. pros, but you can go over there and you can kind of just do your job. And if you're doing a little more, that's that's good enough. Mm-hmm. Um, but like when you go to Mexico, for example, you have to a put the team on your back because you're around a bunch of D3 guys that yeah. half of them don't speak English very well. So it's like you know, so many times I'll turn and be like. Hey, hey, Snake 2, stay this way. And they'll look at me and be like, okay. And then they just run. And you're like, (laughs) okay, I guess that guy didn't know what I was saying. So it's like it's a race to go shoot the other team before the pro guest on the other team comes and shoots your whole team. Uh, And it's like you can't just be a back center guy who does a job. You have to learn how to really be the guy that goes in (laughs) point after point after point. Uh So, like, I'm more of a 2-3 in my typical paintball life. But when I go to Mexico, I'm typically a one on whichever the aggressive side is because it forces me to have to learn how to just go win the game over and over and over and pick up the pace and win it faster and faster before Keith Brown comes and wins the game down the other side against me, you know? And beyond that, beyond making your individual skill sets in like aggression and like, you know, win ability higher, 
it really works on your teamwork. Like mm-hmm. oh, you yeah. think you have to be good at talking in US paintball, try communicating when guys all around you are speaking Spanish. Yeah. And you're the, you know, like now in your head, it's like, okay, I just heard Webo one taco two. Yeah. And in your head, you have to take that extra second to process. What are those bunkers? Oh, this. Okay. I need to yell back to them. This bunker that I know, wait, what is that in Spanish? Okay. Yeah. I yell it back. And yeah. man, it puts a whole nother layer on like getting your overall like mental game and your leadership to another level. Like mm-hmm. that, that's really, it's huge. That You'll sounds- see the guys who go down there that are... <laughs> It sounds like a fun drill, uh, you know, like we can make that and do a, like a drill or something, you know, <laughs> Ryan has put yeah. together a drill. That's kind of like this actually that, that yeah. we do at the summer camp. It's so hard. Um, yeah. He starts five guys along the back line and uh, the first player will go through one through five, right? The one has to say a name, any name, any name they want. The two has to repeat what the one said, right? and then come up with his own name. And then the three has to repeat what the one and two said and add a name. And it goes all the way down to the fifth, and then they can start playing. On the other side of the field, there's three players that are allowed to play as soon as you start the game. So, <laughs> so they're like – sorry, the, the, the uh, communicators can shoot their guns. They just can't move, right? Yeah. So then once they all you know, say all the names, they can start moving. Then once the game's over – you go and you ask them, what were all five things that were said? And if anyone doesn't know all five, they have to do laps. And it's brutal because it, it's yeah. like so much. You're like, Toyota, Blue, Carmen, uh, ah, I don't know. What did you say back there? Was, you know, and you're like, hey, what was, what was yours? Was that Chevron, Chevy? Oh, man, I don't know. <laughs> that sounds it's a fun one. Yeah. yeah. Ryan does a yeah, really good a job of coming up. He, yeah, he comes up with, uh, with some pretty fun little drills. Well, when you've been playing for 60 years, you yeah. got all the, you know, you can, yeah, you can have all the, you got the, all the tricks. That's it. So we'll, we'll pick Jeez, back up. I want to dip back yeah. into um, the, obviously the traveling and everything that you've done, but kind of digging back into your story and, uh, and picking up where we left off. Yeah. Where would you like to pick off? Cause I know we, we, you know, started off in the beginning, you playing and then getting into yeah. tournaments. So where would you like to pick up? Yeah, we tangent a lot. I'll try to streamline the next part of like from, yeah. you know, early tournament paintball in my local scene into uh, national paintball. There we go. So basically to – so I go back to that field uh, for another birthday party, and the owner really likes me. Like he sees I have a right feet autococker this time a year later, and uh, <laughs> I was like, man, I want to start playing here, not just my woods. Like I can bike here, and, you know, my mom still won't know because I'm not asking for rides. So can I – uh like obviously this is expensive like paint back then in like 2000 to 2003 was like especially in new york near canada it could be anywhere from 60 to 100 a case yeah so i cannot afford this shit you know it's ridiculous (laughs) and uh i'm like what can i do and he's like well how about this come out and be one of my referees you can referee for a case of paint you'll never have to pay entry here and uh you know you can always play saturday sunday but you can even jump in here and there like a couple points like ref more than half of each night you're here and you can play a little too so now i get to play a lot of paintball and i'm going there like wednesday thursday friday right after school because the place opens at four refing for a few hours jumping in here and there while the other refs you know we'd rotate and uh it only took like a few months till like that was where the local uh, PSP team, the one in the area was from. It was Tsunami Force, which this is back when PSP was pretty much only like two or three divisions, you know, like 
open amateur novice, something like that. Yeah. And so they were the middle one and they were by no means good. They were a five man team. So this is right before X ball, but uh, you know, it was, it was like this sweet team all in blue empire gear and like decked out, you know, fully sponsored new profilers. And I was like, man, I'd see these guys come in and we're just playing like rec ball and I'm having fun, loving it. But I'd see these guys come in and to me, they looked like the coolest things ever. You know, like some (laughs) people think it looks nerdy wearing a sandana, but I'd see these guys head to toe sponsorship. And I was like, man, that looks so cool. And, you know, they gave me a PB2X and an 888 magazine. And I'm looking through these catalogs every day inside my books in school, just like, man, how can (laughs) I get all this stuff? Like this angel right here is $18.99.99. How can I afford any of this? And he's like, well, how about start off with our kids team, Tsunami Force Kids. So I get on that team and only about the rest of the half of the year, I'm playing with that team before he's like, you want to play with Tsunami? Uh, to me and one of my other little buddies. And we were like, yeah, let's do it. So we started playing on Tsunami and playing like other, uh, you know, at other fields. And the first tournament I ever went to that wasn't like at this little local field where we do like three mans and four mans. I went to play a five-man and a seven-man event at GRC Paintball in Wellsville, New York. And that's where they used to have the New York Cup, which was almost like a World Cup back in the day. Like, uh, yeah. it had the big, It's the biggest hyperball field with the big octopus thing. There's still pictures of it in, like, <laughs> War Pig and all that in the entire yeah. East Coast. And you've probably played there when you were a little kid at some point. Yeah. So, so the story is, you know, I'm, I'm so excited. It's the middle of like winter and I'm going to play at this big field, huge indoor, huge outdoor hyperball fields. And we're driving there and about halfway there, I'm like, you know, my parents let me get picked up by like 21 year old kids and I'm <laughs> probably 12 or 13. And, uh, we began to change lanes like halfway there on the throughway. And we went over a patch of like black ice that you can't see underneath the snow and we spun out and bounced across the guardrails back and forth like a ping pong ball oh, and wow. crashed into a snow drift. Luckily, there were no other cars around to hit us. And I didn't even make it to that tournament. Oh, and, uh, dude, we stepped out of that. The car is smoking. We have to get towed home. Me and my you know, two older buddies on the team who picked me up. And in my head, I'm like, I'm happy that I you know, survived this car accident. Like We walked away without scratches or whatever. But in my head, like getting in in the tow truck on the way home with the smothering car behind us, I'm like, I think that's it for paintball. Like if they find out that these 21-year-old kids that just drove me to the, the my first tournament crashed because it was like kind of blizzard-like conditions in New York that day, uh, like most weekends, uh, yeah. they're probably not going to let me play again just because they're not going to trust me to go with other kids and they're not going to give me rides every weekend. They're into their own adult stuff or whatever. So I came home and I'm not even sure if I told my mom this yet, but, uh, you know, I told her a little, but, uh, I, I told her, you know, the tow took so long and we got brought back to my buddy Nikki's house. And then I went home from there that I was like, we did terrible. We didn't win a game. Like <laughs> <laughs> just played it off. Like, yeah. like, yeah, I mean, we didn't win a game. We didn't play. Yeah, right. Right. Oh, you didn't I, lie, man. You know? I was just like, I don't want to talk about it, mom. I'm, I'm going to go to bed. And then it went yeah. back to business as usual, like back to playing the next weekend. And yeah. so following that, I got into um, the NYPL, which became the big uh, Northeast Regional League in the area. You guys probably remember the AXBL. 
Uh-huh. And that was before it was Texas with Steve Rabikoff. It was the American X-Ball League, and it was a sister league to the CXBL. Yeah. And this league was huge. It was like 56 teams, three conferences, and Damn. you played full hour X-Ball at 15 balls a second. The good old so, days. <laughs> yeah, the best, dude. So, yeah. you know, I'm I'm still a young kid. When you're young, even if you're not in the gym, you just have unlimited stamina. So, you mm-hmm. know, quickly I went to, uh, you know, my first X ball team and I was always a little front kid, like in snake or Doritos. And after like one or two events, they were like, we're going to put you in back center. And I was like, why I want to attack. I want to be in the snake front of the Dorito front. And they were like, well, you play both sides. And our other back center guy is just a, a big 35 year old guy. So we need someone more versatile who can fill both ways back there. And so that's literally why I've been a three since I was like 14 years old is because wow. I could play both ways evenly. Like I was kind of versatile. Yeah. Um, oh, it's so huge. I went from got to have that. Yeah. 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 You know, so many people look at the shapes and they just go, I'm going to be a, this guy specialist, but yeah. I just wanted to go either way where I could win the game. So they were like, listen, you're going to sit back here. You're going to mm-hmm. shoot a few pods and, you know, be alive and whatever spot dies first around you just go fill that spot. And that was oh. it. Like, we talk about that all the time on this show, how that's, that is moving into the future of paintball. That will never be normal again, because you, it's just not real. It's not real. If someone is eliminated on this side and we have to fill that hole, you're now that player. Or if you lose yeah. your snake or your Dorito guy, you're now that lead guy, or you're the corner guy, or you're the middle guy. You know, you have to yep. be able to play every spot because at some point it's going to need to be filled at one and during one of these points, you know, so you got to know every single position. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you know, when you get into it, uh, as an amateur, like, a back then there was no, there was nothing lower in D three, but let's say a D three through five player, or even as a little kid, 13 year old kids are mature. I wasn't thinking about all the teamwork or the talking. I wasn't connecting both sides. I didn't know jobs. I'm just flip flopping, shooting at whatever I see from back center. But at least I knew like, okay, if the snake side two dies, just go become the snake side two. Just, yeah. just wait back here until there's a free spot to fill. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I did that. And uh, on top of that, that early, like most of the guys in that first team, it was Sodas Predators, um, were from that Tsunami Force team because they were like, oh, cool. whoa, like X-Ball just happened. And I remember it was so funny. It's like X-Ball happens and all these guys have like jobs. They're older guys or they have rich parents. So they're all getting bought like SFT shockers around that time period. And I remember it was so funny. I showed up to the field one day. I had just finally traded in my, sold my right feet autococker and showed up with like a thousand dollar red non-vision impulse Yeah, with a Revy. Yeah. So <laughs> like I, once again, I had to shovel a thousand driveways for this thing. Well, a hundred driveways and I yeah. show up and it's this huge cinder block. But to me, you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's as fast as you can shoot. It's semi-automatic, but I can't get a, good stream out this first weekend with it because there's a Revy on it and it's non-vision. So I'm just flamethrower and, and all these guys are shooting at me with shockers and they have the, for the first time ever ramping boards. So they're just going bump, bump, bump yeah. and they have halo bees. And I'm oh, like, yeah. I always felt like I was a step behind, you know, when I, they used to have like electro guns when I had the cocker, 
Then I show up with the impulse. Now they all have ramping shockers. Everybody like, go Google this impulse that he's talking about. <laughs> it is, yeah. It is yeah I, wonder, I wonder if you can still uh, pull those up. It was definitely a brick. Oh, Dude, yeah. I saw I saw someone at the field uh, last weekend with a, um, an Excalibur. That's what they're called, right? The oh, yeah. Those are <laughs> yeah, yeah. total bricks, but those were tight. That, those were tight. Yeah. I like those. I they were cool. Yeah. yeah. Dude, Steel shout Excalibur out to uh, AK. Yeah. The AK? Yes. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say just the, the Viking. The yep, Viking. Yep. Those two guns with the side pins on top were mm-hmm. similar to the Impulse or the original Die Matrix where it was like oh, this yeah. big, the body, like yeah. four times the size of our guns and probably like a four or five pound gun. For everybody yeah. just listening and not on the YouTube, Joe held up his hands in about what appears to be a uh, foot by foot square box. <laughs> 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 that was basically how, how big these guns were back in the day. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So, oh, and you had a long journey in this to get to pro, right? I mean, when did you start playing pro? Oh, man. So, I, well, I guess the first time I started playing pro was in the end of 2012. uh, Okay. In in NPPL. And then by the end of 2013, that league went bankrupt and and expanded, you know, it fell apart. And then I That's was right. back to semi-pro. I, I had already been mm-hmm. semi-pro or D1, whatever you want to call it, in PSP. Yeah. And so it's like, okay, damn, I just lost my pro status. I guess I'll just keep playing. I'm already playing both leagues. So it's like, well, I guess I'm going to play in you know, semi-pro PSP, which became NXL. And then I went pro again in 2017, so five years later with damage. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. And and oh. you never got burnt out, you know. You you kept plugging away. You kept on giving it everything that you have. And now you're you're stepping on the pro field with all the best players in the world. You're going to be playing <laughs> with the aftermath in the 2020 season. Obviously, you played with DMG, and uh, it's just it's a testament to to your grit, dude. You know, to to never Thanks, give man. up. Yeah, yeah. And I, I mean, even even more so to be honest, you've become a player that is that does exactly what you said show them right you've shown me yeah. I'm, I'm sure tyler can agree as well and some of the other guys mm-hmm. like all right joe can ball now you know you got to give him a little more respect than you know the kid that was like chopping at the bit you know harrison's the same way right we'd always give harrison yeah. so much shit we see you guys in these foreign yeah. places and we're like who are these guys you know we don't we don't know them what are they doing over here but now it's like they deserve yeah. to be here you know they put in the work they've 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 earned it at this point you know and you yeah. particularly i think your career especially last year on dmg i thought you played really well i think you're really coming into your own as far as being confident you know understanding the game at a little bit higher of a level being a little more consistent that's something that comes with experience right you were someone that your team could rely on and i think that um aftermath is going to benefit greatly from having a rock like that on the team you know cuz mike likes to play aggressive Right. And everything that you're speaking to, you're probably going to be the three on that team, but you're an aggressive three. Yeah. It's going to fit that mold very well. Mm -hmm. Thank you. I, I really appreciate a lot of that from the bottom of my heart, man. And yeah, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful and and honored to uh, at least, you know, be, be recognized. You know, it's, it's something like I, I try to really live with no ego. I'm not out here trying to do something to, uh, make other people perceive me or a certain type of way. I'm not looking for people's mm-hmm. status or recognition, but when you do get positive reaffirmation from uh, people oh, yeah. around you, especially the greats, uh, it at least lets you know that you're on the right path. And, you know, at, at the very least, it's like, 
I, I look back to times now where I've played with a lot of the greats, you know, on different mm-hmm. teams or even just one-off events, you know, me and you, Marcelo played together. And it's like, when you're a rookie and you come on to teams, a lot of times you want to, you want them to understand by the end of the match with you, like, Oh man, I was able to rely on that guy. Like, it wasn't like, Oh man, right. this guy's in, we're probably going to lose. Like this is a weird line, you know? And, mm-hmm. and we've only ever played once together on the same team. And it was representing for team USA. Mm-hmm. And I remember we won a two on three out there mm-hmm. to, yeah, to, absolutely. to keep our match from ever, you know, that would have been the one point they might've scored on us. And I saw you and we were both still in the pocket and it was like, it was seamless. It was no biggie. Like, okay, this guy has great gun skills and high IQ. Uh, I'm not about to let him down over here in my spot. And we fought it out and ended the game 4-0 right there. (laughs) (laughs) I remember that. Shout out to Thailand, dude. Hell yeah. Yeah. See, Marcella, you were already, you were ready for world cup two on three. You'd been winning them already, huh? There you go. You know those low body situations, man. Somehow find that's myself it. in them. It's gonna hide, I hide under my bunker. The whole game <laughs> yeah, for the, for the yeah, <laughs> that's it. Hey, um, dude, you're one of the, you're the best in the world at hiding, bro. I, I tell you what, you could hide all day as long as you're out there. I know we got a chance. So, um, but I, I want to pick your brain on this. Uh, what would you? Um, say is one of the gears that you've picked up that has taken you to that next level? Because there's a lot of paintball players that that feel like they're good. They probably feel like they've been in the same shoes as you and are having trouble getting that next gear, that next outlook, that next set of awareness yeah. or whatever it is that you picked up that brought you to where you're at right now. So what would be yeah. some advice that you can lay on that? Oh, man, I, I feel like I could do a whole podcast well, on advice do it, for brother. this. You know? I want to hear it. <laughs> I'm sure you yeah. guys could, but I, I'd say... First of all, to to get to that gear or to get to, let's say, even the pro level, because that's, you know, I feel like semi-pro paintball players, you can almost give them the textbook and they'll play textbook paintball. Like, okay, he's here. I'll hold this zone from this bunker, blah, blah, blah. But Mm -hmm. the difference is that gear switch. You know what I mean? Like they have the know-how, but they're, it's like watching a pro game at 0.015 speed. Like they can't ramp up the the speed Mm -hmm. and act, react as quickly. And a lot of that is just like the the foundation of being a pro paintball player is most all of us I've noticed in the pro league are very, very tough individuals. You know, I'm not talking about like we're going to win a bar fight over three people kind of toughness. We have those guys. But I mean, like yeah. mental tenacity is almost unparalleled with us compared to most of our friends and peer group that don't play paintball, all your non-paintball friends. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I feel like that's something that lacks this day. And if you if you can't go find a coach or a program that'll give you that and force that out of you, you're probably not going to go pro just because you're, I hate to say it, like, cause I'm, I'm a pretty empathetic person, but it's like, you're kind of too soft for this. You know, yeah. you give up too easily or or when you get tired, all of a sudden you just go, ah, oh, that's my excuse. I'm too tired to continue, you know, like that. I, I can say I'm very fortunate because like even since the very beginning, that early team tsunami force, I was 12 years old coming into that. And I had a bunch of like upper 20s and 30 year old guys and how they taught me how to play like, you know, how to gunfight multiple people was and this is back when i had the autococker and they all had they didn't have ramping but they all had like intimidators and angels yeah uh, me and the other two real young kids on the team would get put in the one side's back center and like the two other kids not playing would be in the in like the penalty box behind you waiting for their turn and you would play the upper line the tsunami force guys one on five and oh boy. 
and you would just get the shit shot out of yourself for the first hour of every practice. And not only are you playing them one on five where, you know, they're much better than you and there's more of them, but this was back in the uh, no holding back paintball when paintball was uncapped. Like when I started playing, oh, yeah. it wasn't even 15 yet. Some of those guys with Timmy's were shooting 25 balls a second at me. Yeah. And it, as you, as you stood out of your bunker, like when you got hit and raised up, if all five of them were shooting for even one more second, you know, and there, there was no overshooting back then, but yeah. even if they weren't trying to overshoot you, if they were just all on their trigger for a second, oh, what do you mean done. there was no overshooting back then? You well, got overshot I, every time. Oh, I mean, what I mean <laughs> the is penalty. there was, there was no penalty. Oh, no okay. Penalty. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. There's you not any more either every time I left. My yeah. Room. There's not any more. That's true. That's true. Major yeah. shout out to Jason yeah, Chosen, they, they, the crew for at least in the pros in divisionals, you could still get overshooting penalties. So all you divisional players don't think that you won't get them. You guys still yeah. will, but in the pro division, we're allowed to yeah. bang, bang, baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They, they unnerfed the game finally. Yeah. Um, but you yeah. know, back then there, there was never overshooting, even mm-hmm. though guns were mini guns. Mm-hmm. So just yeah. by leaving your bunker, if there were two guys shooting at you, you'd probably have 30, 40 hits on you. Like mm-hmm. you'd just be dripping yeah. head to toe and you'd have to yeah. clean so much after every point. So yeah. I'm welcome, getting raised. Uh, welcome know, to like Bob Long's house. Fives. <laughs> <laughs> I, I bet it was the same with you and you're all oh rocking Timmy's with like amped up halo bees. Yeah. Like you guys would probably get crushed every time. <laughs> oh, yeah. So I got that similar thing in like <laughs> yeah. tiny, dim lit indoor fields. You know, I remember yeah. that first day they showed up uh, with their new ramping shockers. I was refing that day and I'm standing there refing with like my little orange ref shield. And all yeah. of a sudden I'm refing the game. I'm just refing rec balls. All of a sudden I'm getting torn to pieces <laughs> and I like fall over behind my shield. I'm like, what is going on? And all of my tsunami force guys are standing there holding a big red chronograph and they're just trying out their new oh. SFT shockers on me. <laughs> and I'd come off and it was like, there could be nothing I could say. Cause it's like, we're toughening you up, buddy. Like, you know, Whoa, it's good for you. Kid. Exactly. Yeah. So you go. not wrong. You know, I, I'd say back to the point, like yeah. you, you need to find a mental toughness where it's just like, there can be no ego or taking it personal. You can't go, you know, you don't deserve to do that to me because people are doing it to, to make your skin thicker or to bring the best out of you. And yeah. you want those people, you know, That's you want right. the Mike Hinman mm-hmm. that, that <clears throat> shout at you or hit you when you make mistakes, because then you'll be used to those tough challenges and the hard failures. Whereas yeah. if you get babied and take participation trophies your whole life, guess what? When you get into semi-pro pro paintball, there is none of that. Yeah. And there's, if anything, you know, you're going to be one of those guys just like, well, at least we're here, pat myself on the back and you're not going to reach that higher level. Yeah. So that's a big Probably. step. I love that you hit on that, the men- mental toughness, because you're absolutely right. You got to be able to, when shit is going bad, you got to be able to pick it all up and put it together and make it work in that moment yeah. when it's not supposed to work. That's the only way championships are won is when you do things that aren't supposed to work and you make it work. Um, and then, you know, you got to, you got to really stop looking outside of yourself because i see a lot of players look outside of themselves and they're searching for things you've got to just do it you've got to just do it you got to find it within yourself and become hyper aware like you were talking about earlier and just do it you know what has to be done i'm tired of the excuses i'm tired of the blaming and looking outside just get the damn job done you know at a certain point um, we all know what we have to do. So I'm 
like no more talking, no more hoopla. Let's just get the jobs done. And when you can start to just yep. cut the fat, you know what I mean? Just there's so much fat going on. We got to cut through all this fat and get to that prime, hard hitting, you know, gritty type paintball. And then once you guys can all do that as an organization, the world is yours. You can win tournaments doing that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Once you, uh, dude, it's, it's funny. Something I learned, uh, in a lot of like the, the books I've read and things on self-awareness and podcasts I've listened to and mentors is, uh, once you start just taking responsibility for everything that happens to you, that's even it. shit that might be out of side of your control. If you, as soon as let's say, you know, something happens, it's like it, somebody ran a stop sign and that wasn't mm-hmm. your fault and they hit you. But if mm-hmm. you say that was my fault, it almost right. gives you more power back because it it's like, now you can always take the positive from it. You can go, okay, this happened to me. It's my fault. I'm responsible for it. What am I going to do from it? I might not be able to control what happened to me, but I can control how I choose to react to it. And am I going to just let this be the thing that kills me and I give up? Or am I going to make a better me and decide, ah, that's going to make me do this to mm-hmm. change and get to this next spot? You know, yeah. and could have stayed at that stop sign a little longer and looked both ways and made sure people were following their rules. Yeah. You know? Seriously. Yeah. You know, like that's, uh, it's funny you use the stop sign one because I, I, um, argue with uh, my lady about this all the time when we're driving she just thinks that like the green lights everything just if you go by the book nothing bad's gonna happen with like, you realize how bad <laughs> these drivers are there's other people that are driving with their eyes closed <laughs> so, no like yeah. i'm out there super yeah. paranoid of everything you know I, i'm a more yeah. of a defensive driver and that doesn't mean you drive slow also i can still drive fast or whatever but I'm, yeah. I'm always on the lookout of like trying to see if someone else is making a mistake you know, totally. and that is that next step, you know, because um, yeah. you're right. It is. It's so yep. easy to just put the blame on other people. But mm-hmm. there's almost always something that you can do to improve or to yeah. give yourself better chances of negative things not happening to you. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Even even let's say let's make a, an example that. Yeah, because you maybe you should have looked around and you are partially responsible for someone running a stop sign hitting you because you could have looked further down the street with some 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 look, some forethought into the future and went, that car's mm-hmm. still going too fast. He's yes. not going to stop. Exactly. So how about this? I used to always, man, especially as like a young, hot-headed teenager, like 16 to probably about 21, 22, before I like started defeating the negative side of me, I would mm-hmm. blame a lot of the reasons on my cuts, like being cut from a team or not getting picked up at a tryout. Tryouts that, honest to God, even other friends who are there could tell you I'm – kind of beating the living heck out of everybody else there and I don't get picked up and I would go, Oh, it's politics. It's politics. And I would just blame it off on that. And it would let me off the hook for not figuring out what the real issue was. And you know what? The real issue wasn't politics. The real issue was skill. Wasn't the only thing. Maybe my attitude was Mm. holding me back in that coach's eye Mm, because he goes, Oh, that kid's really good over there. But every time he gets shot, he motherfucks that guy. Or every time yeah. that guy cheats him, he runs over and threatens him. And it's like, yeah. I can't have that as a teammate, you know, or yeah. ones where maybe I might've like had like uh, this avalanche tryout. I had more self-control it was like 2011 or 12. And I, I had a good attitude there. Um, I wasn't in great shape or anything yet, but you know, I, I played stellar. Like I got shot once all day in a one-on-four and a guy had to come and trade out with me. And my line of seven was beating the heck out of the other line of seven out of the 14 guys that was trying out for pro. And 
the other whole line of seven got taken to Avalanche that year. It was all the guys from Arsenal kits. Oh wow, like, yeah, and Hurricanes, like you know, Keith yeah. Devitt and like Pinky and some of those guys. Yep. And you know what? It's funny because it's like those guys all live right there, and they might have had a bad tryout day, but they you know what you can expect out of them. And you know they live in your area. So me and a few kids having the day of our life, like we show up and play well under the pressure, but this is over in New England. I live in Buffalo, New York. Either way, those coaches are going to scratch their heads and go, okay, yeah, they have potential, but like what happens if their car breaks down? That means they're not going to make it to practice, even though they said they would drive out here every weekend. Or I can go with these sure things over here. And now that I've coached teams, I know that it's like mm. – who, who mm-hmm. are you going to pick up the guy who's a little bit better, but he lives across the country or the guy who's not quite there yet, but he lives around the block from you. You can pick him up if your, his car breaks down and you know that in time you can get him there, you know? Valuable. Yep. These yeah. are huge points uh, for everybody listening as to kind of the, the thought processes, thought processing of how coaches, you know, navigate picking up players or creating an organization. And sometimes, you know, you can be, like you said, the best player imaginable, but if the circumstances aren't right, then it could be that deciding factor that, you know, that moves them in the yeah. other direction, you know? Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it's more than just for the coaching aspect. It's for, let's say you're a player and you want to be a professional paintball player. Yeah. So I lived in an area in New York where after the Philly Americans disbanded at the end of 08, there were no pro teams near me. So I was mm-hmm. doing those drives to like Chicago for Aftershock or New England for Avalanche. And I'm going to these tryouts and I'm performing well and trying to be like a good character for them to see. But all they see is there's a guy coming who they don't know his money situation and he's not a proven pro with a record that's coming over. He's, so yeah. it's like, we're going to look for an amateur. We're not going to look for an amateur across the country because we're not going to pay for his flights. You yeah. know, So in that way, I realized it's like, okay, I could blame this on the politics or I can go, oh, they just don't know what they're missing out by not grabbing me. Or I can realize the really obvious thing, um, environment. Like, dude, if you want to be a professional ice skater and you live in Africa, guess what? You have to move. Like, no matter how much (laughs) you can say you want it, I want it, I want it, I want to be a pro ice skater. If you live in a desert, you're not going to be a pro ice skater. So very very ice skating indoors. Can't can't they do that in Africa? You know, yeah, you probably could. Bad, bad, I think bad analogy, but I get what you're saying. Horrible. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, you probably can't play pro paintball in Antarctica. We'll totally. say that. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah okay. Unless, unless right. there's an indoor field there. Yeah. How many people really? do you know that live in Antarctica? Yeah. <laughs> no one. I know this yeah. one penguin. We were chill. Uh, <laughs> yeah. All my analogies are going to be terrible because I'm sure there's a way that you can do well a a good example is you a good example is there's a lot of places in asia right where being professional a professional paintball player or even in europe a lot of them until recently now the pro teams over there kind of have more um you know statue and stuff but before it's like yeah you got to move here like if you want that you you have to be here you have to be around and even you know locally in the states um that's why you did it it's why you know you know yeah. the story of kyle spicka got in his car drove cross country to be yeah. in the area where there were pro teams that you can constantly be at a, out at the field around the pro peers and you know 
build a little, a little reputation for yourself in front of them and then eventually get picked up. You know, like that is, you're hundred percent right, dude. I'm just, uh, I'm giving yeah. you a hard time. I'm always hypercritical <laughs> of, of things. I'm just joking though. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I like your personality a lot and, uh, your humor always gets me cause it's that edgy sarcasm, but it's not personal. It's hysterical, you know, and, and I kind of need that cause I'm almost too nice. So I always yeah. enjoy when I get those people that are like poking and prodding. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> you know what I mean, it, it, you got to keep Marce- me Marcelo's good at it. He's really good. At it. Um, yeah. It's but, all fun, dude. I grew up in an Italian family, a bunch of older brothers, yeah. you know, I just yeah. got picked on the, all the time. <laughs> if you can't pick back, if you can't poke back, yeah. you're in trouble. For it. Yeah, you're in trouble. Exactly. But you're right. There's, there's something that's to be said about doing whatever it takes to get to where the organizations Whatever. are. You have to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I kind of want to dig into your most recent couple of years. You know, you played with Sacramento DMG. And uh, you really made a name for yourself there. Huge shout out to Dave Baines and his whole camp that he has out there, Capital Edge Paintball. Um, just an amazing guy uh, with an amazing community that that I'm so fortunate and grateful to have seen Capital Edge from day one. I lived in Northern California my whole life. Um, only recently now I live in Arizona, but um, I just love their family and everything they've done for paintball. So uh, kind of talk to me about DMG and what that's created for you moving into Aftermath and what you're going to be doing in 2021. Yeah, I can definitely do that. Um, yeah. You know, we're, uh, we we can always jump back and forth, but uh, yeah, we'll get into this. So yeah, um, I guess coming into DMG, it's, it's like I got to organize my thoughts on this because I, how did you reason, get into the DMG camp? That, that's what I was going to say is it kind of yeah. just makes sense. How did I get to DMG out of nowhere? So basically yeah. um, I, I had played with Tampa Bay damage. Right. And yep. uh, that was my dream team since like 2008. Like when they first went pro and they came in and won an event, I was like, Holy shit. That yeah. team is so dope. Like you got Chad Bougier running and gunning, down the Dorito side off break with nine pods in his back at He's lightning a monster. Speed. He was insane back. He's still a monster, but it was like, yeah. it was like, who the hell is this kid? Yeah. That's called disgusting. No, no, no. Oh, no, that's, no, Brian, that's Smith. Brian. That was Brian Smith. But, that's right. But Brian on the other yeah, side, and, let, Chad, and you yeah. can, you can say things about that whole team, but like Brian mm-hmm. Smith on the other side, you just see that dude in the snake and all of a sudden to be a one on three against him. And he would just like back up to a weird spot, like at the back of a beam and just go, okay, kill one, kill two, yeah, kill three. And he just won while everybody like with such like agent, like precision yeah. and composure <laughs> from a front Smooth. guy and his, his one ball snapshot is unparalleled. Like maybe, mm-hmm. maybe matched by like Mike Carthy or someone, but you know, yeah. just a lot really. of those dudes on that right. team. I know a guy. <laughs> there's a lot, there's a lot of great gunfighters. You're, you're definitely way, way up there. But uh, as far as like, you know, each team's play style, like what was damage always known for? That's the Royal gunfighters. Those mm-hmm. dudes, they're not even necessarily the most, uh, what like defensive or aggressive or damage was known for defense they, for the they were this time they were the slow playing team that wanted to sit there shoot paint and and yeah they were down to win two to one you know mm-hmm. fields yeah, allowed for true. it back then though fields allowed for it and you're right though it's because they had true. such good gun skills you know like they yes. were such good they could get away with that stuff because they would shoot you on the move they would win those mm-hmm. gunfights and it was like Dude, it was a nightmare playing damage on some fields, right? Where yeah, you, it was. you really lock it down. It was like, oh, okay, this is going to be, you have to be so patient 
and yeah. be okay with going the distance in the point. <laughs> yeah. Otherwise, you're going to lose. Yeah, your level of discipline to go, okay, I need to wait till he's down to that last hopper and just can't yeah, hold me anymore. Because totally. yeah. And that's where I'm at is they, they're definitely a way more defense team. But like when AC Dallas came into pro and started getting good at what they were doing, their defense was like very tactical. Like, okay, you're, they're going to let you to this 50 spot because they know they're going to shoot a bounce shot into you and kill you. Yeah. And they just had this like certain level of like their strategy was great. Whereas damage – like the pocket sometimes sucks, but they'll just sit in it because they can out gunfight the bulk of the people trying to snap with them. And you're like, man, I, I just cannot put this guy in or I cannot, like, I can't come out and shoot this guy without getting shot. You know, like the Edwards brothers, both phenomenal. Jacob is a, a snap battle master and Jason is gun dominant over top of his bunker on three different people at all times. <laughs> and, and then, Everybody else in that team has, you know, high level gun skills. Brian's a one ball guy, Mike Carthy at the time. So, anyways, I Dude. wanted to be on this team for totally. a while. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I watched them just be a dominant force. I had pitted for them and I had tried out for them in 2012. And that's a long story yeah. we can go back to at the end of this because it's a fun one. But uh, eventually, I, 2015, I, I've already been hanging out with the DMG guys because we've been playing each other in semi-pro for, for years, you know, when you, there's plenty of guys who were in that semi-pro when it was like a real meat grinder with like DMG distortion, NYX, uh, collision, bloodhounds, TJ, um, just there was, yeah, there were so many, yeah, before that there would have been like vicious damage, RNT all-stars. There were just so many teams where it's like, man, I think there's 12 teams here that could win this every single time of yeah. like the 25 it was beast mode and so i was always on these different semi-pro teams season to season sometimes event to event and my teams were always known for if they got knocked out or if they had wealthy guys in the team they could change flights they would just leave early and i was always there till like monday or tuesday so i could see the area and yeah. it seemed like every event I'd, I'd be walking around sunday and i'd run into like hallberg or brusselback or one of those guys I'd be like, what are you guys doing tonight? And they'd be like, we're going to the player party. And I'm like, well, my guys already left and they checked out of the hotel. So you mind if I come with you guys and crash? So I started Dude, shout out to guys. the player parties one time. Players parties. Yeah. So, uh, you know, after every event, I end up hanging out with them. And then sometimes they invite me. They'd be like, yo, off weekend. Uh, you want to come out to see San Francisco? You could chill at our places. Um, and we're about to go to, uh, you know, do a hiking trip or we're going to go to Burning Man. You want to go? Sure. Let's go. Yeah. So I, I got tight with all these guys through like cool experiences. And when I wasn't practicing my own team, I, I started going to Cali more and more. And so in 2015, I moved there in the winter, drove my car across. At this point, it was like the fourth time I'd driven across the middle of the country alone. Wow. And, uh, barely got through through like a ridiculous snowstorm. Like <laughs> I'm driving across in a front wheel drive for Taurus white, <laughs> oh white knuckling in a blizzard, just trying to follow the red dots from the semi in front of me at yeah. like 30 miles an hour for like 2000 miles. It's, it's painful. Sheesh. And I get there and I'm only there for like about a month. And I'm like thinking about starting to play in with these guys. I'm like, you know, I've always wanted to live in NorCal at this point. Cause I, I liked the NorCal kind of like hippie yeah. vibe and the music and all that. Yeah. And then damage hit me up and I was like, okay, I guess I'm uh, leaving. So I told them all that 
packed up my stuff, stayed up all night with them, like hanging out, got a little sleep in the morning and then woke up and drove for three days, made it there mid Friday, started practicing Saturday and Sunday with the damage organization. Sheesh. Yeah. That's and a lot. so, yeah, two years of that goes by and we can come back to this whenever you guys want. Um, but basically that catches up how I knew DMG, like for like five or six years, I'm already close friends with okay, these guys. It's a from- long time coming then. Yeah. You were building yeah, relationships, been- you are building friendships, you were, you know, and yep. it's funny how things like that, it, again, it's not that you're looking for opportunity, but just creating connections with people leads to different opportunities, you know, it's good to have friends, yeah. it's good to, you know, it's good for your soul, it's good for everything, you know, it, that is a, and, and yeah. again, like you can, you can argue that that path is what got you here with a spot on Aftermath too, you know, if you didn't go and play for sure. DMG where you were um, able to be one of the highlight players, like imagine if you stayed with Damage, you know, you may not have, have blossomed, you know, the way that you did or gotten recognized the way that you did. Yeah. Yes. So, yeah, we can exactly hit on that point is, you know, real quick, network is your net worth. And, you know, I'm not sure how much you've traveled, Tyler, but I know, Marcelo, you know this because me and you probably have a thousand friends in, in every different country around the world. And if you need to go somewhere, like I never worry about hotels anymore. It's like I'll hit up some person I know through paintball and so my network has paid for itself a million times over just from being a, a nice person and enjoyable to hang out with. And, you know, there's the skill set of paintball, but more than anything, it's like you're a positive guy that wants to immerse yourself in those cultures or meet new people or, you know, share experiences and trade like things and, and like your craft for theirs together. You, you can meet a lot of people and have a lot of uh, opportunities opened up to you. So, uh, yeah, I guess back to the story. Um, so I already knew these guys, we've, we had been knocking each other out back and forth of mid late Sunday, uh, games for countless seasons of D one semi pro. And I had been hanging out with them and doing like cool stuff and camping and concerts. And so I went to damage cause you gotta, you gotta, you can't leave life with a what if, and I knew I wanted to play with my dream team. You know, I've, of course I would have played with any pro team. But of all the pro teams I want to play with, it was that badass chip on the shoulder, really mean to other teams, gunfighting, legendary Tampa Bay damage. Yeah. And I went to them and, you know, I, I lived there for two and a half years. I, I played with the semi-pro team and then the pro team. And I I accomplished the to-do list of playing with damage and playing under some of the best in the world. You know, learning directly from Jason and Tim especially was mind-blowing and there i'd say i learned more than with any other team just because of the uh you know the amount of knowledge that those guys have and their their veteran uh level you know abilities they can pass down and being forced to always be better you know like we got a second place to russian legion one event and to me I'm ecstatic because it's like, holy shit, my first year pro, I got to be out there in that finals game and uh, do a decent move and get some kills. And, you know, I wish we would have won, but walking away with second and this big silver on my neck and the whole rest of the year, we only had podiums like, you know, a bunch of fifths, fourths, thirds and seconds and just missed the first. And uh, it was great to me. That was a successful year. But Tim and Jason would look at me and be like, we didn't do shit. You know, we're not happy with this. Like anything less than winning, like we used to always do is not up to our standard and we could care less. I guess Mm -hmm. we got to work harder. So it taught me a lot about that. It forced me to really, really work hard to get any amount of playtime. Like, 
mm-hmm. you know, to, to play a Dorito front spot when you have Jacob Edwards on your team, you have to be playing way, way better than him on that layout to even get some points. And even still, coach is probably going to still run with him because he's his trusted go-to guy who he's won World Cups with before, you know? So you're yeah. kind of riding in a shadow. And so it made me work really hard and improve a lot as an individual and learn a lot for my mental game. But in that same token, what I realized was, and it was, it was like I had this introspective meditative day one day when I was just like camping alone for a weekend, like real camping, you know, just way out there in the Evergates glades in Florida, yeah. no electricity, no fire, just kind of like on a fast. And I was like, man, I'm, I'm learning a lot here with damage, but like, you know, world cup, I only played like one point with them, even though I had played like 17 points in that, uh, that Cleveland that we got second. So all of a sudden I'm back down to like, not really playing. And I'm like, man, I'm, I'm going to get better here just by being around these guys, but I'm not really going to get the on field tournament experience against the other pro teams. Like we'll practice Houston heat and Russians and all that. And, you know, I'll earn their respect that way. But like, I, I had felt like I almost skipped a step, you know, like I, by jumping from semi-pro right up onto one of these top four teams, like a, a heat or an impact or a dynasty or something like that. It's like, you're, you kind of almost feel like you're just along for the ride. You know, if, if you play great and hopefully you produce and I would try to every single point, but whether you play or not, that team is going to do as good as it's going to do because they probably have other guys who can play your spot just as good or better because they're vets, you know? Mm-hmm. So it made me realize that I'm like, man, I'm, I, I want to be out there producing and not in a selfish way of I want to be out there and be the guy who wins these matches for us, but in a way of like I'm, I'm not going to get good enough as fast unless I am willing to like humble myself and take a step back so yeah. that I can get really good with the on-field time and learn how to become the guy. And then if I ever go back to one of these teams, I'll get brought right on and be a starter, you know, because sure. damage, it's like there were guys like I, I was fortunate when I got on that season, I only played a few points the first event. I played like seven the second. I played like 17 the third. And and then it progressed back down. But there were guys on that team, you know, like Kyle Barry, who's a good friend of mine, Mikey Waring, um, and one or two other young rookies that they they didn't play a point their first whole season with damage. And mm-hmm. in in three or four seasons, a lot of the reasons some of those guys got cut or left to other pro teams was four seasons later, they still weren't really getting playtime. So I kind of saw the writing on the wall and I was like, you know, I no matter how good I get, I mean – I, if I was, you know, whatever coach, and I know that Jason knows how to play with Jacob better than anybody, I'm probably still going to play him. Unless the other dude is shooting all five guys every game, I'm going to go with the guys I trust. So yeah. I was like, so I, you know, I was thinking about you gotta that earn a lot. It. You yeah. got to earn it. You, you, you don't want to just it. get onto a, a high class, world class team and just sit yep. on the bench and, and maybe get your one, two points here and there. Yep. That's great. And there's a lot of players that have done that, but. For me, I like I like your <laughs> outlook on it, you know? I like your outlook right on up. it because 
you are going to learn so much more and it's going to mean more when you have to really fight and you suck and you get your ass kicked and then you, you don't do well and you're not just sitting on the bench of a world-class team, you know, there's a different zest that it gives you and a different pedigree that you're going to earn by taking that Avenue. You're going to learn way more. Yeah. You might not have the cool Jersey and be on the cool team and you're getting your ass kicked, but you're going to learn a ton. You know what I mean? And that's all than you would. Yeah. That's all just pampering your ego anyways. You know, I mean, yeah. like, you know, I thought about that too. I was like, man, what if we had one World Cup, but I didn't play a point? Like, yeah, yeah I'm going to be happy up there because it's like, whoa, I'm part of a World Cup championship team. But did I really do anything? Like they say that, you know, when you're in the pits, you're part of the team. Mm-hmm. And I agree with that. But if I wasn't out there producing for the team and we won, it's kind of like, well, if I had not shown up that event, we would have won anyways. You know what I mean? Because I wasn't doing anything on the field. And it's like, that's just not really what I want my story to be. Like I've seen a guy or two be okay with that, where they go to one of those top four teams, they never play, you know, maybe they still never play and they're okay with it because they're always on the podium. But for me, I was like, you know what, if I have to go back down to a year or two of not making Sunday, but learning how to be that guy and, and forcing myself to do it, be a guy that coaches have to play them every point, I'd rather do that. And so in that same time period, you know, I don't really play much at cup. I play one point for damage and we get knocked out uh, first or second round that year, 2017. And those guys all, they're a different place of life than me anyways. You know, they have wives and kids. So they're all like, all right, it's family time. Everybody, we had our meeting. You're free to disperse. And I was like, cool. I'm going to go over to semi-pro. I think uh, DMG is playing semifinals right now and I, I'm good friends with them. So I walk over and DMG just beats the crap out of some team in semifinals and i think it was the other team that maybe could have took the pro spot so (laughs) at that point they're gonna go play you know nyx in the finals but the other team that would have taken the pro spot was like it was someone else and so just right then and there as soon as they won that match i walk over it's like five to one i was like whoa dmg just became a pro team like all my good friends that are my age you know and uh, that thought dawned on me. I almost began to see that path in the future. Yeah. And then I walk over with them and, you know, help them out. And then they win the, the, the finals. So now they've won World Cup and their pro spot. They won four out of five events that year. And then I go out with them because all the damaged guys are local. And these guys all want to go party in Old Town. So we're partying and, you know, like we're having a great time. We're talking and they're all, you know, they've known me for a while. They kind of needed my role. Cause like one of their back guys on the team was this dude who was a good player. Uh, this dude speaks, but he was a little thicker. You know what I mean? He wasn't as mobile mm-hmm. and they were like, they were like, so Did you say uh, speaks speaks Mark, yeah. Mark Spiegel, dude, yeah, that's yeah. my boy. Yeah, yeah. Shout out to Mark. I, I knew him from like when I first started playing, we had a team called die kids. We kind of grew up in the same yeah. area. Yeah, yeah, man, speaks, dude. That's, That's cool. Yeah, Mark's, Mark's dope. Yeah, he's yeah. a great guy, super great guy. But you know, Absolutely. I think, and anybody can get in a little bit better shape. But his bigger thing was he was becoming an RN, so he just didn't really yeah. have the time. Like he was sure. already their least yeah. dedicated guy in semi-pro. Totally. If you're going into pro, you can't only play one out of two layout weekends. No. So they they were already like kind of like hoping for another guy. So if nothing else, he's their second string back guy. And so they're all kind of like, you know, they're joking with me about it while we're at the players party having drinks. They're like, so you ready to come play pro paintball, but with your friends. And I was like, man, it'd be sweet. But like, I'm on my dream team and I live in Florida. Like this is kind of tough to think about right now, but it, the thoughts are going through my head. You know, it's like, man, that would be cool to play with all my friends, same age group, 
no kids, uh, same place in life and still play pro ball. And so like the, the off season went by and it was around Christmas and, you know, I had, I'd kind of went through some, some shit with a girlfriend that I was living with in Florida at the time. Like I not going to lie. I was living some kind of weird fantasy life. When I was on damage, I lived uh, in a house on Clearwater beach, like on the there beach. We go. Yeah. And I do not, it's kind of like that same thing where it's like that whole year I was in a place that I didn't deserve to be, you know, like not mm-hmm. that I don't think you should always feel, Hey, I'm just, I'm worthy of this, but like, I'm on damage and I haven't really got good enough to get play time for them yet. I'm just there because I'm a hopeful potential. Mm-hmm. I'm living in Clearwater beach, but I cannot afford this millionaire lifestyle. <laughs> I only live there because, uh, this beautiful woman I'm with at the time had parents who owned a vacation home on the beach that they barely ever went to. And when we moved there, I was like, all right, we got to start looking for apartments. And she's like, well, actually my parents said we could just stay at the beach house. So for like two and a half years, we lived in like a million dollar beach house, All right. um, you know, like rent free and, uh, whatever money we made was just money in the bank basically. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, you know, it's just what like, what did you do with that money? If you don't mind me asking, were you, were you smart with it? Not having any bills. It's a huge opportunity to save money and build a little bit of, uh, equity oh, yeah. in something. I never had bills. Like I never, I don't just buy new sneakers, new internet, um, you know, I keep my car insurance maybe low. Maybe, that, maybe that's why the show didn't work in the beginning. <laughs> that's probably true. Probably you, true. You didn't pay your internet bill. All right. Yeah. The truth is out now. <laughs> it's it's definitely my fault, hands down. But what I mean is like I'm a minimalist. I try to keep my, my bills and living expenses down. Mm-hmm. And paintball was free on damage, like 100% free practice, totally. everything. So, I mean, the money that I was making, like drywalling and doing things like that with my friend, was only spent on girlfriend things you know when you have a girl that's expensive too so it's like dinners and stuff like that and then i'm spending it on like you know that was my second year where i'm starting to travel a ton and play in like asia and mexico so most those trips are covered too or paid for but i'm one of those guys who after the tournament i'll stay there and backpack for like two or three weeks and that's where i spend my money like i'm going to spend it on you know the flights or boat trips to the next city or country and yeah. I mean, I was, you know, I was minimalist. I wasn't making a lot, but my money went far and I did a lot of stuff there. Totally. Um, but everything in my life was, yeah. Uh, but everything in my life was kind of telling me like, this isn't this time. Like you, you should probably be like 60 as a business owner or retired to live on this kind of beach. You know, all your neighbors around you are 65 plus and either, uh, old retired people or millionaires that own hotels on Clearwater beach. So they're all scoffing at me and my girl. Cause it's like, we're the only mid twenties people in that entire upper class neighborhood. And it's just, there's all those that the vibe was weird where it's like, I'm living this like fantasy lifestyle. on like the nicest vacation beach in the world, but I can't make any friends because everybody here is ancient and all the cool people I meet are like, Oh, sorry, we're just here for the weekend on vacation, you know? Mm-hmm. So couldn't really make a friends group outside of paintball and all the damaged guys have like families and they kind of live scattered about the area. So it was just me and her with not really many other people to see other than like Spence here and there, or, yeah. you know, stuff like that. So you were like, um, so you said, so Sayonara, these, you said, peace out to her. I'm moving to California. I'm going to join. Uh, well, the- <laughs> she, I, I, I'll keep it honest and transparent every time she said Sayonara to me. You know, okay. by the end of that last season, she was looking at me like, 
you know, I get it. This is your vision, but this is all you're ever going to want to be. You just want to play pro paintball and travel the world. And it was like no fault to either of us, but you know, like even if you like each other, you're attracted to each other. Some people are just not compatible. And I had told her off the back when we first met that I was like, listen, because I wasn't pro yet. I was like, when I go pro, I'm going to travel the world and take every opportunity that offers me. <laughs> and she was like, it's okay. I can deal with that. And after about, you know, every girl's been fine with me for about a year or two. Yeah. But after the second year, when they realized like, <laughs> whoa, this guy is gone every weekend. And in the summer, there's sometimes this guy's only here at the house for like three, four days a month yeah. for the whole summer. Each Dude. month I'll be back, do laundry, and then leave for the next journey. And they're like, listen, I just need I, – I, you haven't cheated on me or whatever, but like I need a, someone who's going to be around more than 50% of the year. And that's just uh, what it is. Yeah. You know? I mean, look, a relationship requires time and effort. Otherwise, it's not going to work, period. You know, and it, 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 uh, if you're fortunate, you find a, a lady that um, supports you during some of your travels. And, you know, a way to mitigate that for the youngsters coming up in the game is every now and then you bring them on a trip. You know, yeah. they, they love yeah. that, you know, you bring them on a little trip and have them enjoy some of the, the perks that we do get to enjoy. But that is one of the toughest things I think for any uh, professional paintball player is managing a relationship. The, the girl needs to be incredibly understanding. I've, mm-hmm. I've seen um, too many times where the situation isn't so, and it's, it's hard, it's draining. I've been very lucky, you know, yeah. in, in, in my relationships. And actually I haven't been in many during, you know, my professional paintball career because Smart. It, it is so time demanding, you know, to uh, be in a relationship and play paintball. And you can't really do both if if um, they're not understanding of each other. So you have mm. to have those conversations from the beginning. And yeah, you also have to be real with what you want and what your expectations are. If you want yeah. a relationship that's going to thrive and do well, you need to respect that that takes time and effort. And if you yep. want to pursue a professional paintball career and be the best, you got to understand how much time and effort that takes too. So, you know, you got to weigh out your options and see what you need or want to do more. And, um, you know, they're, they're tough conversations to have, but in any case, enough about, you know, breakups and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously it brought, it brought you into a good spot. So yes. through all this, you decided to move West and play with DMG. Yeah, I needed a new start. I was, you know, we broke up. So obviously I'm not going to stay living in her parents' vacation home. That's not going to go well. <laughs> gotcha. And her, her mom actually kind of hated me because I'm just the paintball kid. And she wants her pretty daughter to marry a, a lawyer or something like that, which she yeah. should. You know what I mean? She wants that big two-story house picket lifestyle type lifestyle. I want to live in a van somewhere in Thailand. We're just yeah. different people. Let's move on. <laughs> so I go, oh, okay, it's I time for that. a fresh start. So I go home for the holidays for like, you know, the one month of like Christmas and New Year's. And um, I'm uh, I'm back there. I'm spending holidays with my family. And the DMG guys are reaching out to me again. And they're like, well, why don't you just come here for a while and get your head straight? And I was like, all right, yeah, I could do that. And so I drive across the country again and I get there. And like, you know, I kind of am always one of those person who's just willing to take a jump of faith. Like, I don't, there's nothing guaranteed for me. They're not telling me you have a job lined up. We have an apartment for you, but they say, Hey, DMG is a, is a professional organization that doesn't offer anyone any sort of salary, right? You're going there because you want to be there. You want to be there. Yeah. You want to be there. It's an opportunity of, of what might come from that. Yes, exactly. You know that you want to play with a group of guys that are blue collar workers and they went through the ranks and played together. And you also know they're all good guys. So if they want you around, they'll make it work. So, you know, I was like told right off the back, like Russellback and Josh Hallberg used to live together at the time um, that first year back in 2018. And they were like, hey, if you come here, 
you got a place on our couch till you figure it out. You can couch surf here as long as you want, bro. You know, just be a good roommate, uh, be productive, help us with things. We'll give you guys, you'll, we'll give you work. I actually moved with a friend, one of my longtime college friends who just kind of same thing. He wanted a fresh start. He's actually one of the pro refs in NXL, Brandon Nickerson. Whoa, and so, yeah, me and me and him talked about it from Christmas to New Year's. And he was like, yeah, I'm ready to get out of my job. He's working some corporate bullshit for like a college apartment complex, you know, <laughs> good money benefits, but he was just sick of it. And he'd always heard Cali was cool from me. And I was like, let's just go do it, man. Worst that happens is we just, it doesn't work. And we just move back in a year. And so I wasn't planning on that, but we, yeah. we move across smooth. We actually drove there because we had two of us to switch back and forth and we could sleep in the back seat. We drove across the country in 33 hours flat. <laughs> we only stopped for gas. It's a good number. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Kind of weird, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So 33 hours flat, you know, the, the trick to that, everyone, so you know, is uh, you don't stop for meals because that makes you have to stop to go to the bathroom and it makes you get like sluggish, like you get the itis. So you only <laughs> have water because you do need to drink water, maybe some iced coffee and like trail mix or like energy snacks. And just very eat lightly or even try to fast the whole way unless you need it because you're <laughs> asleep. And only stop when you need gas at about every half tank. Because when you're way out there, there's some times that it says next gas stop is 103 miles. So you never let yourself get below a half tank when you're out in the middle of the like the Dust Bowl Midwest. Yeah. Um, you know, I've done it six times before and I've had that scare where I was driving for an hour on fumes and I was, it was just the worst anxiety of all time. Like, am I going to fucking make it to this next goddamn rest stop (laughs) or am I going to die out here? And it's scary. So uh, anyways, we get to California, start staying on their couch for like, you know, two months until we moved into one of the DMG houses in Sacramento. And uh, you know, they just always had stuff to do for us. Like I immediately started Ubering and other than that, like a lot of these people around here have their own businesses. I started doing like part-time construction, drywalling, um, little yep. things like that, that like Tim was part of. And uh, yeah, man, any, Hustle. any opportunity that was offered to me, I would take it. Cause it's like, I'm in no right to demand a good position. You know, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm at the bottom right now, but I need to make this work so I could play for this team. Mm-hmm. And I knew I wanted that lifestyle. And honestly, even in that first like beginning few days of January, you know, like everybody is off season mode. So it's not super talkative in our chat, but like McKenna, who was the coach at damage at the time at Jason, they said they would still have me on damage. And that's what made it really tough is like, they were like, yeah, I mean, we don't plan on cutting anyone. We'd still love to have you. And I was like, I think I got to move to California. You know, I, I'm not able to live here anymore. I could probably find a place to live, but I have not been able to find consistent work um, that will fit the paintball schedule in the Clearwater area. Because if you're going to do car valeting or like things in a tourist area, weekends are the most important. Mm-hmm. So I just could not find ways to make money to keep up with living in the Tampa Clearwater area. So that was a big reason that it was like, I don't know how I'm going to keep living in Florida. And these guys say they have job opportunities over for me in Cali. So I moved there. I, I talked to the damage guys. They say, we'd love to have you, but like we cannot pay for, you know, airfare for travel, for practices and stuff like that. And it was like, man, okay, that's going to eat up a lot of my, you know, money that I'm making here. Like now I have to live and Cali's kind of pricey, you know, not much worse than actually not worse than Clearwater Beach, but not much worse than like the Tampa area. But now flying across the entire country for practice is going to be tough. No way. And, yeah. 
and also also these these dmg guys are in my ear of like well now you live here near your friends you're practicing on your off weekends with us why don't you just play for us we're a pro team and that was it like it was a hard night of thinking but it was like uh yeah damage i i think this is just the writing on the wall i don't know how many years i'm going to travel from here to there to practice anyways and i don't want to burn out or cause you guys resentment and i think i need to get more like on-field playtime at the events not because i deserve on your team but like i need to get it personally if i'm ever going to get better mm-hmm. and well did did that, um that impact, did impact and dave baines have an influence on you going to dmg um honestly people have asked me that too and so obviously that's a big thing you think about is like okay so this isn't a team with any kind of big budget and i'm going to go from a top team to a team of you know guys who are talented but they're all rookies and we don't have a coach and there's a lot of like things where it's like this is going to be tough but it is a big perk to know well no matter what one of every events layout practices so five times a year we get impact as a sparring partner mm-hmm. so even though even if i don't have a coach like dave directly telling me what to do i'm gonna learn and get better just trial by error from having to play heads up against mouse and j-rab and all these legends Absolutely. so that that was definitely a thought but honestly it wasn't the deciding factor like it wasn't like i moved there because i wanted to play for dmg because it was you know under and surrounded by Dave and impact. It was mainly, I wanted to play with those guys. Cause I wanted to play with uh, Tim Brusselback, Josh Hallberg, Andrew Wyatt, Thomas Kim. And uh, I was also starting to get to know more and more uh, Marvin Gerber and Shane. Howe. Um, gotcha. You know, bunch of great I, dudes. Yeah. Shout yeah. out to Shane. I played I, on, I played with Shane on Oakland when I was young, when I was just a kid, me and Shane, how Shane, the chain baby. And he told me your stories. Yeah, the vampire man. The, yeah, the light. He he's. You know, it's funny is uh, I got a story that involves you, Tyler, and I don't think you nice. knew me then. Yes, either. Like uh, the first time, I don't think it was the first time I met you. I'm not even sure if we formally met, but mm-hmm. I swear to God, I've told this story on every podcast that have asked me. <laughs> the The reason I wanted to play with DMG was not only was it like okay, these guys are all really close friends, and it'd be cool to play pro ball with them, but there was one moment that it's burned into my head. So I remember the details that made me want to play with that, that like starting line in particular. And it was this moment. So before I had moved there the first time, it was 2014 mm-hmm. before I moved there in 2015, when I was playing with W NYX yeah. there. And like, you know, they're like, Hey, you could jump in with us. If you're off weekends, like bring your gear bag and you can just jump in with the DMG semi pro guys. And we have this mixed like power line that comes out, which is Dave Baines, Yep. Tyler Harmon, Greg Sewers, and then like Shane will jump in with you guys because it's the vets. And then you'll grab one of the DMG guys who's sitting, normally like uh, Jay Stew. So yeah. that was actually the line this day. Yeah. So this one time, I'm I'm jumped in with the other line of DMG guys. It's like me, Hallberg, Tim, Thomas, and Wyatt. Mm-hmm. And we had this point, like we were good. We had chemistry. Like I just fit in and talked well as there are three amongst them. But there was this one point that you guys shot three guys off break and you went snake off break. And I saw you get in there uh-huh. and Josh was in the snake side Aztec, like not even the God bunker or like one bunker out in the pocket. And I was in the back center Aztec right next to him. And I kid you not, dude, in a two on five, me and Josh shot all five of you. 
Like nice. you happened to crawl through the gap in the snake. <laughs> and I think you just didn't think I saw you get in there. So you slid in snake off break and then you tried to jump the gap and I had paint in the gap to make sure you at least didn't take another. And I clipped you and you left. And then I brought Dude. the lane in and Shane filled out to the corner and died. And then we fought off a two on three against Dave, Greg Sewers coming through the middle at us and Jay Stu coming down the D side. And it was like me and Josh, you know, he has great gun skills too. I remember that game. I was like, dude, I was like, you guys are my hero. When you guys <laughs> shot me, I was so inspired. <laughs> I'll say we lucked out because, you, you know, we got to eat. I shot you crawling through a gap. Like, yeah. It, it, if you had just stopped, we would have been dead for sure. But, I know. I fucked it, that one up. I remember. It, it, yeah. <laughs> in that, at the end of that day, I was like, yo. Damn it, Tyler. I, at some, I know. And this is before I even move out there. Like, this is months before I moved out there the first time. But in my head, I was like, man, I really want to play with this dude right here. Like, all these guys are good. But and th- I'm sorry. Dude next to me, Hallberg, is, okay. is, dude, me and him, the way we talk on the field together is like, it's like a seamless communication. Like we were both so composed in that moment. It wasn't like I was watching him freak out or over battle. It was like, Hey, you got that. Yep. I'm on this. Hey, can you switch for a minute? Yep. Okay. Stay on that for a second. All right. I got it back. Okay, cool. I'm this way. And all of a sudden all five of you are dead. And it was just me and him after the breakout. And I was like, yo, I don't know when it's going to happen. Cause I'm, you know, but eventually I'm going to play with fucking Josh Hallberg. Like this kid is Bruce Lee out here. And, uh, Swear to God, that's a big reason that I ended up playing for DMG. So well, I'm glad so, I'm glad I could provide that for you. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> I'm so glad that I could help you with that. So <laughs> real you. quick, I mean, Joe, we do uh, we do have to wrap up here pretty soon. We're coming up on the three hour mark. Oh, um, wow. <laughs> yeah, I know we've been we've been just chatting, and I want to dig into Talk. the aftermath thing. That's kind of the meat and bones of what of what for I sure. really wanted to get into. And Josh, actually, it's a perfect segue because Josh, that's the person that you're going to aftermath with. Am I right? Yes, correct. Okay, yep. awesome. Yes. So, how did my, this come up? How did uh, yep. how did this move to aftermath come up? I want to understand. I want to know why you want to play for that organization and why you yeah. felt it was time to leave DMG. Yeah, sounds good. Yeah, this is a perfect segue. Uh, apologies for the rant. I'm, it's uh, all good, dude. It's great yeah. stuff. Um, but yeah, this is perfect. Like everything. And else I'm is I'm just really little... glad he told the story of shooting Tyler and winning yeah. the two on five. <laughs> That's too. like the highlight of the whole That's show. Classic. <laughs> classic. <laughs> you were wearing the Tyler the Tiger jersey, and this I can see every single moment of that point. It's ridiculous. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it, I think we've hit all. the Like big I said, points. when I screamed out how inspired I was, I meant it out there. Like I was so inspired. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> um. So yeah, like. So I, you know, this is, it all fits perfectly and we can skip right to aftermath because it kind of, you know, a lot of people have, uh, even Maddie asked, they're like, your, your moves a lot of times seem very bold and they don't kind of make sense to the average player's moves. Like you went from damage to DMG. That was a big jump down. That was a third overall down to the team coming into pro. Now, you know, he tells me, he's like, you're going from DMG who was like 12th overall or something like that. But we've been to Sunday a few times in the past years to aftermath who was like 19th overall last year granted mm-hmm. it's a different roster different coach but it just looking at statistics from like a non someone not in the know it's like why is this kid keep jumping down in teams even though this one's more of a lateral move but here's exactly why on damage i get to go and play with a bunch of veterans and learn a ton okay then i go to dmg play with a bunch of friends uh, some of those friends leave year by year. They go to Impact and Ironman and you know all these different teams. And 
it forces me to become the guy. Like uh, eventually mm-hmm. the only core guys left on that team are me and Josh and I'm a newer core guy. And then Marvin Gerber and Shane Howe. And now currently all the other guys around me, they're all great guys. They're all good friends and they all are players with good potential, but they're all guys that are, that came up through the camp as semi pros and whatever. And they weren't guys that I even knew before I moved to California. So in, in those couple of years, uh, I mean, you guys have probably noticed the past two seasons, I've played every single point for DMG other than those points when it's like there's 17 seconds left on the clock you know, you get the, all the new younger guys in there and they get to run down the field and try something crazy, you know, but I, I've become like their, their anchor, normally like a three or a D side two, who's like alive doing jobs and then trying to close. Go ahead. Joe, why did you want to go to aftermath? It's <laughs> so, the okay. question. So the, the, big, the organization so aftermath, yeah. right? Like it's a, a legendary team. We yeah. got to get to that. They like, sorry, I, I <laughs> need, oh, I'm asking you a personal question. I'm kind of testing you because I, I want to know if you're worthy of putting that Jersey on It's you're, that logo is sitting behind Tyler right now. You're about and, to get it all. Yeah, yeah okay. I, I get it. All right. So there, Cause there's several reasons. So reason number one, why I want to go to aftermath is, uh, you know, DMG gave me all the playtime in the world and the chance to be the guy, but there's no coach. So mm-hmm. in that whole time, I'm getting better because individually I have to play good against impact at practice. And I have to kind of like try to like win points we can't win at events against top teams. But I'm actually not really learning anything new. You know what I mean? Because we're all self-coached. So I, I have not gotten new direction from like one of those like you know, those top bunch of coaches, the Hinman's, the Baines, sure, the, sure, sure. the rusty glazes in three whole seasons. And I just don't really feel, I feel like I hit a plateau where it's like, I think this is as far as I can go with this team. And all of a sudden that opportunity came up and originally it was going to be with aftermath when it was still a Midwest team. Like, you know, Wyatt was on the team. He approached me when Iannucci was running and he's like, you, you guys want to play with this? And he offered all three of us, like the three amigos, me, Josh and Tim. And uh, I was like, okay, we, we can consider that. But like, is there any chance you can get him in, back involved? And they were like on the fence on that. They're like, I don't know if that's going to work or whatever. Well, all of a sudden, like two weeks go by and then Hinman hits me up and he's like, so I don't know if you heard, but like, you know, not only did I get the name Aftermath back, which was kind of on social media recently, but I got the pro spot back and he basically extended the same deal. And it was like, all right there. I was like, man, I don't know if I manifested that or if just like the universe put that together for me where I can go to the team that has like the funding and resources to help us do what we want to do, but also now has like the coach that has the longest standing track record in the game for turning players like you and mouse into players like you and mouse and turning out championship teams, you know? So like, it, it came together where it's like, holy shit. Now I have to go to this team because I want to get better. I don't want to just coast as a middle of pack player. I want to be pushed again. I, you know, I, I never really, when you're in your comfort zone uh, on a team that you're just kind of always a starter at, you can miss practices and it's like, naturally you're still just going to be that spot because they need your role on the team. So I have not really, I haven't really felt tested in, in a little while on DMG because there's a lot of talent on that team, but there's guys who play other spots than me and there's nobody who plays my spot like I do on that team. So does now that- Hinman is going to literally, he's going to demand 
accountability out of me again, mm-hmm. where it's like, I actually have to start really, really trying hard. I, I'm already a person who like trains and goes to the gym and shit, but it's like now already since this happened, like I've upped my effort three times because I'm like, dude, it's not just going to be given to me. Like I need to make him make me my, a starting player for him. You know, he doesn't you're care. Gonna have to, you're going to have to try really, 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 really hard for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You're, you're going to have to go into this camp and be something that maybe you've never even thought of yourself being, you know, because um, mm-hmm. you're going to be surrounded by a lot of other players that want to take your spot and they oh, yeah. don't, you know, it's going to be a dog eat dog world in there for a little bit. And yeah, um, that's good. That's good for, for growth, right? You need to have that growth. Cause it's not all gumdrops and, and, you know, rainbows when, when you get on teams, a lot of times it's pretty tumultuous. It's kind of, uh, you know, it's kind of rigorous to, to get into those big role positions and you're going to have to relearn how to do that all over again right now. Yep. I yeah. look forward to it so much. You know, <clears throat> Good. I, I think, I think people uh, take me as a pretty happy go lucky person. And that's cause on the outside, I am a very like always positive person, but when it comes time to work, like when you're in those nets, uh, I love working hard and I'll work harder than every other guy around me on my team just because I want to be that guy that all of those teammates can rely on. Like I want them to look over and be like, well, I know that guy over there is always here till the end of every practice. So he's probably not going to gas out early this round. And it, then it gives them more confidence. You know what I mean? And if people are chomping at my heels great because now I'm going to be forced to always get better, not just be like, okay, I'm better than them. I'll stay right here. Now I get to actually push myself and really see like the true potential that's inside me. And I, I can't wait for that. Good. How did, how did DMG take it? Are they all right? You guys on good terms? DMG are all right. And you know, that's a big fear that I had too. I I knew I was like, after I kind of like was already leaning towards the decision for a few days, uh, it was something scary in my head because, you know, some guys don't give a shit. You know, we all know there's been a couple of guys in our sport who just go, yep, I'm leaving. Bye. And they go to wherever the bigger offer is. Yeah. And to me, you know, it wasn't so much about a better deal. It was like, I need to do this for me. I needed a fresh start with a coach where I yeah. could be disciplined and turned into a machine. You know what I mean? I don't want to just be coasting as a two and two team guy. And uh, I know Mike Hinman can make more out of me than that. So yeah, when mm-hmm. I told them this, the, the big, you know, I wasn't worried about my decision. I knew I made the right move, but I was worried about guys saying, well, fuck off. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Cause you know, a lot of these guys are my good friends too. paintball aside. That's just a sport we play. That's not my whole identity. And I love a lot of these guys. You know what I mean? I love the camp and the community and I still want to help all the younger kids on the organization, you know, divisional yeah. teams. Yeah. And I didn't want to have them feel like I abandoned them. So I broke it to them and I, I feel like I went about the best way possible. You know, I've seen people leave teams and even this camp before in worse ways where it's kind of scummy or they let people find out about it through the grapevine or through an announcement like this or on, yeah. on the page. And I went straight to my roommates and teammates first. And then, you know, my team and owners and manager and coach and all that immediately second all on that same night. And I, I was like, I want you to hear this from me. You know, me and me and Josh both did the same thing in, in that like 12 hour period. And we were like, this is why 
And you know, there's, there's, it's nothing personal. It's not like anything can be done about it. It's not like we can be bought back. It's, it's because we need this for our life right now. You know, Josh was, you can get him on here, but Josh was kind of burning out on being the coach at DMG. He was a player coach. And he's like, it's dude, this, this is, it's making his, he, he, I could tell is making his game worse because he's too focused on the big meta game. You know what I mean? And he's like, you know, I like doing this, but I forgot how much I miss playing for the few mm-hmm. points I got in a world cup against uh, impact. So I, I need to go somewhere where there's a coach and I can just go back to being a soldier doing my job. And I was like, well, wherever you go, I'm going. Cause that was his thing with me. Every time we got offers, it was like, they were different offers. So we'd stay together. And this time it was like, whoa, we both have the same offer. It's a great offer and it has a great coach. Let's just do this, man. We'll explain to like our friends. And if, you know, I was surprised how supportive everybody was. I shouldn't have been, but literally 99.9% of people were like, first thing they said was like, man, that's the, that's the thing. That's the team you're going to do. Good for you. You know, I, mm-hmm. I could see why you do it. I guess I'd probably take it too, you know? And then, and then like the 0.1% that weren't immediate like that, it's like, it's kind of like when you leave a job, you know what I mean? Like in the emotion, the moment, of course, they're not going to be happy. And if you were a shitty worker or they didn't like you, they probably wouldn't care. But because they like you as a teammate and a person, of course, they're going to be upset when you leave. So yeah, course, there were, yeah. there were a few people who were upset mm-hmm. for sure. You know what I mean? Like they didn't curse us out, but they were definitely upset and frustrated and, you know, trying to figure out why or how we could stay. Um, but even after a day or two of that and just probably thinking about it, you know, more logically from our perspective, like they realized it and everything's been cool. Like I've had, I've had no ill intentions towards me. And I think the, the whole team transition went about as smooth as it could possibly go. Good. Well, we're stoked for you, man. We can't wait to see what aftermath does in the 2021 season. Whenever we find out what's going on this season from the NXL. (laughs) Um, hopefully yeah. we'll hear some news coming up in the uh, the next month or so. Um, it's going to be a grind, dude. You guys are going to work hard, and uh, we're excited <laughs> to see how you guys pan out in the season and see Aftermath back in, uh, you know, Sunday paintball. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Uh, we're actually, I think, Marcelo. I'm going to see I you this weekend. Exactly. This weekend. Yeah. Yeah. We'll for there, all so. viewers, if, if you see this before this coming weekend, uh, our mm-hmm. our first practice, like our first official practice kind of slash tryout for the last few spots we want to fill for SD aftermath is this coming weekend, uh, oh, the, nice. the weekend of the ninth. And fortunately for us, Mike has a couple good friends in the alumni that he has pitted to play against the new squad and hopeful tryout guys. So we'll be playing against Marcelo here, mouse Spica, and probably a few other high level players. And man, I'm excited for that dude. Like what a better, you can't ask for a better first experience with your new team and with your coach demanding certain things out of you. Then here's the real test. You're not going to play against divisional kids. You got to go toe to toe with guys that are actually really, really hard to kill. Yes, they are. And yeah, bring your pocket <laughs> bring everything you got, dude. Um, so where did, hold on the pocket thing. Where did this whole pocket thing come from? What is pocket Oh, I'm happy you asked, man. Actually, yeah. you'll see. I'm kind of always represent because you and harrison you and harrison literally avocado gods you got avocados everywhere literally always got avocado pins avocado socks oh my goodness for the listeners (laughs) he has an avocado pin on his hat avocado socks 
<laughs> oh my goodness. Hey, talk to me. Good. They're good for you. They are, dude. Talk to me about they the are. power of the avocado just for one second. I need this. And then I have one more. I have, okay. I have another hot take for you before we get off here. All right. <laughs> for sure. For sure. So, uh, yeah, like to start off, avocados are great for you. When I started getting healthy, yeah. you know, back, I used to be like 250 pounds. And then when I was getting healthy, I was like, man, I hear fats are actually good for you. I'm going to eat something that's good and fatty yeah. and like a lot of energy every day. And I started eating avocados every day with my breakfast. I'd make a, a breakfast sandwich with avocado, eggs, cucumber, stuff like that, spinach yeah. every single day. And eventually I was like, you know what? I don't want to bring like granola or like carbohydrates or stuff to the field that's going to make me crash. So I would leave a pocket, an avocado <laughs> in my gear bag in the side pocket of my gear bag or backpack. Yeah. And then eventually people started watching me pull an avocado out of the gear bag pocket. And they're yeah. like, what's that? And I was like, Oh, it's pocket cotto. You know, it's an yeah. avocado <laughs> in, <laughs> in your pocket. And I'd pull a pocket knife and a little bit of sea salt out with it, cut yeah. it open. And I would just have this like quick light energy snack. You know, I've, I've eaten mm, something, genius. but like my stomach isn't like sloshing from a full meal. I'm watching dudes eat like McDonald's, but you know, halfway through yeah, a yeah. practice and I'm like, what are you no doing, way. dude? You just need some energy. You don't need a whole meal. Yeah. So, and then it, I didn't, I didn't start it. It just kind of, people started calling me out on it and it kind of became like a weird little movement. Well, it's definitely a, a movement, movement now, my sure. friend. <laughs> it's uh, a hundred percent a movement now. Um, yeah. The pacacado has taken over. Avocados are great. They're great for you. I actually, you know, sometimes we'll sneak an avocado in my pocket as well and uh, <laughs> indulge in those. They're pretty good, yeah. man. Um, Marcy, do you have a, a question that you want to ask? No, I, I didn't. I wanted to get, you know, to the aftermath thing. Like I said, I'm excited to see yeah. the direction of aftermath and how it goes. I'm excited to see you guys this weekend. Obviously, the pickup of Brandon Unger is huge. You know, you guys have put together a decent little squad here. You got some hungry new kids as well. So I'm just yeah. excited to see what you guys do with it, man. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a big organization to to represent. You know, you got to you got to rep. You got to rep for us. It is. Dude. I'll give you. A, I'll give you a little sneak peek. This will be your uh, heard it first here on the show thing. If you have no other questions about aftermath, oh, uh, the the news hasn't been released yet. Obviously, as a news alert on NXL, but everybody told me this was cool to say. So, guess who else is uh, going to aftermath? Ooh, I don't know. Who do we got? I'll give you a hint. He's my third amigo. He's the other Thomas, guy. That... Thomas Kim? Oh. Oh, oh, oh. Who oh. else are my thickest thieves with? I've mentioned him a few times. Oh, already. yeah. Tim Brusselback. That's right. I already knew that. Like it, To me, that was common. Uh, yeah, it was common. Yeah, I forgot. I forgot. Tim. Okay. That's gotcha. totally right. Yeah. Well, I didn't know we could say that on here. Okay. Badass. Yeah. I love that. It. Tim Brusselback, dude. That's a huge pickup right there. You guys have, yeah. again, you have a solid squad. It's funny. Um, you know, Brandon Unger obviously played for Aftermath before. You have a good core of DMG that knows how to play with each other. And then some, you know, new younger kids that Mike's been working with. And um, yeah, that's solid. He's going to be there this weekend too, I'm sure, right? Everyone's Everyone will be there. Oh, yeah. Everyone. Yeah, yeah the right. three of us are road tripping down together uh, like Friday that. morning. And that was the one last thing I was going to touch on on your guys' show is, you know, I, I obviously I don't think it's big in the paintball world like, you know, three tenured superstars going to aftermath but why i think this is kind of cool is throughout our uh, our lineage or our history of paintball you've seen these groups of guys who that there might be better guys for each role but because they have chemistry for example there was that group at one time of sam monoville tim montressor ryan moorhead chad george 
and they would go from Philly Americans to Aftershock to Impact to Houston Heat. Mm-hmm. And it was like that group would carry success with them because you already knew those guys had chemistry together. Plug in a few more good role players or attackers around them, great. Then you had that other one that was like Damian, Greg Sewers, Brad McCurley. You know, they were doing one thing, Shock, then Infamous, then Ironman. And I, I feel like anytime you get a group of guys together, it's tough to go as a package deal, but it's like now there's already at least like a structure of guys who sure. know how to play paintball with each other. So I want Mike to give us that new structure, but it's like when I look around me, I already know some of those guys. I know who they are. I know that they will fight tooth and nail and die trying to protect me like I will for them, you know? Mm-hmm. Chemistry. got to have that. Man. Absolutely. All right, my last question. This is it. I just want your hot take on aliens and everything that's been going on in the news. What do you think? <laughs> it or is it oh, God. We, we don't have 30 more minutes. <laughs> oh, man. We would need like hours, but we could try to quick this. I'm so happy you asked, dude, because I saw you asked uh, a recent guest, and I've been all over that shit, too. Okay, yeah. there we go. Dude, so honestly, dude. I don't know if yeah. it's actually aliens like a creature, like a, a biped that's coming from space, or if it's a higher form of consciousness that's kind of just beginning to hit our paradigm because there's like a Multiverse? like a shift of awakening happening. Yeah, and it's like opening up other dimensions and all this sound, stuff sounds yeah. so weird, I'm sure, to plenty of people. But yeah. like it, it's it's almost like you have to unlock this other realm to like to get different levels down. of consciousness. We've done that through evolu- the evolutionary, you know, our evolutionary history. Humans have done that with our consciousness who's to say it's going to stop you know yeah nobody um and through certain practices that can certainly be something that like you know quote unquote unlocks these different dimensions i dig that theory for sure could possibly be who knows yeah like that that ufo sighting quote unquote ufo sighting in oahu the other day is a pretty strange one because it's like a big blue glowing light that is you know you haven't heard of this one no no what where can i listen about this 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 is like Two weeks ago, three weeks ago, uh, in Oahu, there is this, and there's like a picture of this like blue glowing thing that is like flying around all fast and then just takes a fast dive into the ocean and no one saw it again. Whoa. Everybody on the island is like freaking out. Like we saw a UFO. Now, mm-hmm. granted, you know, there's also all this other stuff. Like you listen to, um, there's different podcasts I've heard of uh, fighter pilots that would intentionally fly in certain zones and just to mess with people right? Yeah. To mess with people. Yep. And, you know, now with drones, I'm like, okay, so can someone dress up a drone to make it look like that? You know, I'm, I'm skeptical yeah. and yeah. not because I don't believe in aliens. Cause I definitely believe that there's other life out there. I just don't see how it's there a could numbers not game. Be. It's probabilities. To, totally. Yeah. <laughs> but to me, what makes me think that we maybe have not been visited by a UFO is the distance it would take for them to actually get here from some of these planets. It's, 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 thousands and thousands and thousands of years unless i mean unless they have unlocked the like interdimensional travel i don't know yeah. i don't know it just seems seems well, highly unlikely well, but i i guess there's these theories where you can bend space and time and travel yeah particle right. physics yeah, where yeah, it bends yeah. around and it it's reconnects in, interstellar <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah exactly so that and then just to touch on the water thing you know this is classified information, but the, the water is hot, man. I don't know what's going on in the water, but the water is hot. G, mm. you know, ball one, G one. I don't know what to call it, but the, yeah, the <laughs> yeah, man, I'm, I'm happy you asked this because I actually have a good story about this. And, yeah. uh, you know, once again, I'm one of those transparent people. 
I don't give a shit what people think because I know yeah. it's true. Um, have you guys <laughs> ever seen a UFO or had any type of weird experience? Maybe not UFO, but like something that was like mm. not of this reality. I, I did actually. Yeah. 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 And, and it wasn't until recently that I looked back because for a long time, because I was young, I was like seven or eight years old and it was actually next to the Taekwondo studio. I was driving home with my sister and I'll never forget it up on this hill. We, we all stopped. We all stopped, pulled over. There was a bunch of cars that pulled over. It looked like a big disc with like your traditional, I, I swear. But yeah. for so long, for so long, I've written it off as I think that must have been a dream or like, I think, because I, I wasn't even seven. I was like maybe five, four. I was super young. But I, for so long, I was like, it must have been a dream or I, I was completely mistaken. I don't know. And only recently I'm hearing all these stories and I'm like, that might've been real. I don't know. That might've been. Yeah, Yeah. it's true. There are some things that happen in our reality where it's like your brain, it's almost too much to process. So you just shake it off as like, man, I was probably hallucinating or dreaming, or it was one of those lucid dreams where I thought it was a whole extra day of my life, but it wasn't. But dude, I, I, I fully believe you saw it. And now you're just kind of like be able to, you're able to reaffirm that that is a reality because I, maybe I had a a UFO. I had a UFO experience that was just like the way that one fighter pilot describes the Tic Tac where it was sitting still um, kind of like within his range. And then it took off without showing any type of thrust or like propulsion coming out of the back. And it was gone so fast that it was out of his, you'd be able to see something for like, you know, a hundred miles of visual distance. And the thing was gone and out of his visual distance in a clear open sky within seconds. So about, Let's see here. It wasn't this summer. It was last summer. I was in central California. Um, I forget the exact name of the area. It's uh, Modesto. No, no, not Modesto. Um, it's it's known for this. Big- oh, my God. Hold on one second. Everybody go watch Monsters versus Aliens. It's this funny cartoon movie, and it's based out of Modesto. Shout out to Modesto one time. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> I'm going to watch that when we get done with this. Yeah, uh, please do. Ask, I thought yeah. you were going to the gym. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> God damn it. Yeah. Text me that so I can remember it tonight. I do have to go to the gym. We got you. <laughs> I need a hot tub session. But uh, so anyways, I'm in, I'm in this beautiful part of California. It's like Rolly Hills. Um, it's known for this big music festival called lightning in a bottle. And, uh, I'm out there a li- like a few days beforehand for like, you know, just camping. Like sometimes I just go and mellow out and car camp and whatever. And I remember I'm sitting there on this Hill, like near this cool, like river part that kind of cuts through the, uh, like the, the Valley that I'm sitting in yeah. and I'm just like sitting there and I'm looking in the sky and it was weird. It was like the clouds parted. It wasn't super cloudy, but behind this one cloud, there was what looked like oval, but like at the end of the ovals was like a slight bit of angle. So kind of like a tic-tac, like, uh, mm-hmm. you know, like a little bit more angular. It could be the, it wouldn't be a rhombus because that would be all this way, but it'd be like the one parallelogram that's yeah. like rectangular, but cut. And it was perfectly chrome silver. And it was just sitting there in the middle of the sky. And now that whole part of the sky is just cleared out. And I'm just looking at it. I'm like, what is this thing? And I was like, I'm just not going to look away. Like I can blink quickly, but I'm going to not look away. So I don't like, I don't know, lose track of it or not see what happens. Or maybe like I look away and realize like my eyes were doing something wrong. So I'm like making sure to clear my eyesight while looking at it. And it was there for about a minute or so. And then it just, 
it was like it went directly away from me. It wasn't like it went sideways in the sky like a plane would, like cutting over the horizon. It was like it it didn't go up either. Like it like as if you think like a rocket's gonna go up into space. It was like it went directly straight away from my eyesight and it moved so fast that it was gone in like two or three seconds. And you yeah. said this was at a, a music festival? It was no. beforehand. Beforehand. But, but out in yeah. dead central California, nothing but valleys and a nice river. Nice. And no wow. mushrooms were involved. Yeah, I was going to say. How no mushrooms were involved. <laughs> what, kind of, what kind of drugs were you on? <laughs> wow. You know, yeah, I, I mean, it, who knows, right? I mean, yeah, my God, I all, the, the biggest affirmation I've ever come up with in my experience of being a human here, you know, in my 31 years is I don't know jack shit. And, yes. and I'm okay with that. Um, I don't pretend to know anything, and, and I'm I'm totally fine being base level, ground level, and just enjoying the ride here. But there is totally. so much more going on than we could ever imagine. <laughs> Very true. And you know what? You're, you're smart to know that by knowing nothing at all, you already know more than so many people. Like <laughs> as soon as you think you know it all, you're close-minded, yeah. you're screwed. Whereas you if you're box smart, yourself in. Yeah. yeah, you can be smart and intelligent, but if you can be smart enough to know that I don't really know anything at all for sure, yeah. I can yeah. assume I can try to prove myself or or mm-hmm. observe and I can make hypotheses, but I can't just go, oh, this is fact because it's written in a textbook or it's mm-hmm. uh, told to me by my own local media. Once you get by that, now you're already a step ahead because it's like you realize the possibilities of this reality are endless. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. You're able to play the game, baby. Well said, brother. That's yeah. a great way to uh, to close us out, my man. Dude, Joe, yeah. thank yeah. you so much for coming on the show. Very excited to see the journey with you and Aftermath. Where can people find you? Where can they keep up with what's going on? Let's hear it. What's your Instagram? Okay, so you can follow me at my name on Facebook or Instagram at Joe Barrett 50 which is all one word. There Just we go. my name, no space is 50. I thought it was going to be Pacacado. But it, it's, <laughs> I need to change it. <laughs> I might have to change it soon. Yeah, yeah dude. Well, yeah. hey, dude, thank you so much for coming on. Um, kick ass out there at practice and have fun and stay inspired and inspire your teammates and just keep rocking in the free world, brother. We're uh, we're so honored to have you on the show. Hell yeah, brother. Thank you. We'll thank have you, you back. Much. We'll, we'll have you back on and we'll dive down the UFO rabbit hole. Yeah, <laughs> I'd love that. Hey, shout out to you guys. Keep doing what you're doing. I love play the game podcast. I'm a huge yeah, fan. Yeah, dude. And uh, yeah, look forward to seeing you guys soon. Marcelo, I'll see you in a week. See you yes, this sir. weekend, brother. Bring it, you better bring your A game. Yep. <laughs> I will. <laughs> I'm gonna Thanks, I'm gonna dude. get I'm gonna get you back for Tyler. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Marcelo. I'm, I'm defenseless. <laughs> I got you. I'm defenseless. <laughs> All right. You're just lucky right. Tyler's not gonna be here this yeah. weekend. All right. Adios, guys. Thank you. This Later, brother. Peace. Peace. Later, guys. Later, dude. Play the Game Nation. Thank you so much for tuning in. We appreciate you more than you will ever know. Thank you to everybody out there who continuously supports the Play the Game podcast on all of our platforms and uh, shows us love at the tournament. I know at World Cup it was something really cool to hear everybody out there screaming, play the game, play the game, or saying, you know, play the game, Tyler. It was it was pretty special, and uh, to have won it and had all you guys out there with us was an amazing feeling. So thank you, everybody out there. You can show some support for us by heading over to ptgpodcast.com, and you can become a supporter of the show as a patron. We're going to be doing some really big giveaways for our patrons. So um, you can head over to ptgpodcast.com, and we have all the podcasts there, the YouTubes. Um, you can read about our partners 
And we also have a store where you can pick up some PTG merch like the stuff that I have on right here. Um, in our YouTube, obviously, head over to our YouTube, uh, play the game and check that out. And also the Patreon link to become a patron and become a supporter of the show and be entered to win in these huge giveaways. I'm going to be giving away jerseys. We're going to be giving away a bunch of cool stuff. Um, so head over there and check all that out. Also, go to constantpursuit.com and show some love to Constant Pursuit. They are the ones who built our website, and it is run by Rusty Glaze, who is also the coach of Dynasty and is an outstanding person to work with. He is going to make sure that your paintball field or store is in the best condition it possibly can be and moved into the future. I know a lot of people out there have outdated websites, and uh, Rusty's making websites look really cool and really easy to navigate, and he's always there to help you if you need anything. Um, And I know that personally because he helps us with all of our stuff with our website, and it's very easy to work with and uh, does great work. So head over to constantpursuit.com and support Rusty and support his business over there as well. If you have any questions, you can always DM us um, at our Instagram at Play the Game Podcast. And until the next show, have fun out there and stay safe.